It's unbelievable. We have to prepare the food for everyone in the army in one hour. The people will have to sell for hot dogs. They're on sale today. I guess we can give the giants some top ramen. It offends my taste buds to think about the way we cannot cook anything else for them in that time. Dragons. Dragons. Hell of it. There's the woods with deer over there. Let them catch their own woods. Ghosts don't eat anything. Yay! We're out of cooking space, so I guess everything else can have the sashimi bar we grab. With sashimi bar? You are not serious. We have to get out of here. Now. What's so bad about sashimi? We-we-we have to get into the desert and stay there until this blows over. Octopi takes this kind of thing... personally. Mom, are you okay? Mom! Come with me if you want to live. Theorizing that one could travel within their own lifetime, two old RP Gamer staff members stepped into the RPG Backtrack Time Accelerator and vanished. They woke to find themselves trapped in the past, playing and talking about computer and console RPGs from the 80s right up to yesteryear, driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. Their only guides on this journey are other staff and players from RPGamer.com who they meet to help record podcasts that only their audience can listen and hear. And so, Phil and Mike find themselves leaping from game to game, striving to put right gaming backlogs gone wrong, and hoping each time that their next recording will be the one that leads them home. Welcome to the RPG Backtrack. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome everybody to RPG Backtrack, episode 114, Ogres in My Pocket. Which, I was actually thinking of that old Monster in My Pocket series. Anybody remember that when I came up with this title? Um, mm, nope, not. Okay, did, did you ever find them done? Do you remember those things? Uh, I recall, but it didn't remind me of that. Okay, maybe it's because I begged my dad for early allowance one weekend. I gotta get it, it's got the, the level one monster in it, see? Anyway, that, so it stuck with me for a long time. Anyway, we are going to be talking about Tactics Ogre. Not Ogre Battle, Tactics Ogre. And to help us, we have two people you already heard. One of them is John Schlothen. John what? Springer. <laughs> <laughs> we have no. merged into one being. Yes, one awesome being. <laughs> I, so, the, the two people I just merged. Um, please, say that that was not the most horrendous thing I could have ever done. <laughs> I wish we were, we were doing a more appropriate game where there's some kind of like character merging or something. Yeah, it's like, if it's something I intended, I was like, perfect. Uh, 
I'll I'll do my best. To... Actually, there, there's a reason Phil usually does this. He doesn't do something this. Time. <laughs> <laughs> so Nathan, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. John, how you doing? Doing all right. It is a it's a Tuesday that feels like a Monday. That's not a good thing. No. Yeah. Anyway, that is our plan. We are going to talk about Tactics Ogre. And we are just going to take a short break and then launch right into this. And we will never speak of what just happened ever again. Unless it becomes relevant. Unless we need to launch it over you at some point. Uh, you'll, You'll never let me forget it. Anyway, I'm sure. Anyway, we will be right back. was actually subtitled Let Us Cling Together in Japan. It was originally released in 1995 for our our lovely Super Famicom, then re-released for the Sega Saturn in 1996, and the PlayStation in 1997, which is the version that crossed the ocean. And if you want to play it on the Virtual Console, it is on there too. You have many ways to play the original Tactics Ogre, and you probably should at least try, right? Yes, yes, you should. Yeah. I mean, this is like the basically the founding RPG of a whole subgenre of RPGs. So, well, it along with uh, I guess Fire Emblem would be maybe. Well, yeah, Fire Emblem's kind of a different branch of this genre. That's you know, tactical RPGs. There's the Fire Emblem-like ones, and then there's the Tactics Ogre-like ones. Yeah. And this is the founding one of all the Tactics Ogre-like ones. Yeah, geez, 1995. It seems so long ago now. Yeah, man. I didn't get very far in it because it was the Japanese version, but I did have the Super Famicom cart for a while, and I plunked around with it just long enough to realize that despite my dedication at the time to trying to play everything I could import-wise, this was not a good choice. Though it is a very uh, uh, dialogue-heavy game, especially for its time, I think, in the, in the style of game it was. It's a very uh, mature plot to it. Yeah, this game is... Definitely very different in tone than many of the other things that were coming out before or even since. It's a game about war and politics and racial hatred and all of that, and it can be pretty intense in that regard. Wait, wait a minute. That sounds like Yasumi Matsuno had something to do with it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but that couldn't be that couldn't be the case. Not one of the most identifiable Japanese game directors around. I mean, he's definitely very distinctive. I think this is very much the most extreme version of his style we, he's ever really made. At least the most far as I'm aware. I haven't really played all of the Tactics Ogre games since you know. I don't have much to say about some other stuff later tonight, but 
this is definitely high up there. I mean, this is a game in which like the opening intro to start talks about the, it's these terrible people's ethnic cleansing program. And this is, you know, like within very, very recent memory or even concurrently with the war in Kosovo and the break of Yugoslavia. So yeah, that's yeah. right about the time the Bosnia had just disintegrated into ethnic cleansing. So I'm sure he was getting ideas from the news. Yeah. It's, uh, that and it's also a sequel to the game we talked about not too long ago, Ogre Battle, and you can see how he uh, kind of you, you can see some of those elements in that, but he uh, really expands upon them in this game and uh, really puts the story more at the forefront than before. Yeah, the story is very much at the forefront of this. That's, uh, I mean, it's got a branching plot. You can take the character down different storylines, meet different allies, meet different enemies. And, choose your sides in a very complex, messy war. I mean, many people look to to Final Fantasy Tactics as kind of a big, fancy thing with an elaborate story, very politically focused, but really, Tactics Joker, in terms of raw political stories, are far more ambitious and far more political. Maybe... Maybe that has something to do with the fact that he wasn't working for Squaresoft at the time. Maybe working for Quest allowed him a little more freedom to explore any tangent he wanted like yeah quite likely i mean we'll probably never know it's japanese just, companies you know. are very secretive about this kind of thing mm-hmm. it, oh, a lot of companies are really i mean the first big wrench in the game is i think the sixth mission when uh you're supporting your uh revolutionary uh war type uh army against the some other political powers in the in the nation and uh you have to decide whether to murder an entire town or not. Yeah, basically, you've been asked to go to... You've been told to go there on the pretense of delivering re, in, in some equipment for reinforcements. Your real goal is to carry out basically a false flag operation and kill your own people for the sake of creating a, a kind of justification for a massive uprising against another faction. Yeah, but... And you get to choose, like, commit horrible slaughter against innocents or not. That's the first plot branch. And what's interesting is that gives you the law route, which is normally thought of as the good route. Uh, to Yeah, this game, <laughs> it very much subverts the idea of that law is good, chaos is bad, which is you know kind of easy to think of in Tactics Ogre, the Ogre Battle Tactics Ogre series because, you know, law is healing and angels and chaos is de- death and demons. But, in fact, you know, the chaos route is... Don't, don't kill a bunch of innocents. Law would just kill a bunch of innocents. So you're obeying your lawful orders. Yep, exactly. Yep. Like all those Germans or U.S. soldiers in Vietnam, they were just following orders. I probably shouldn't read that much into it. <laughs> well, I can, I I can see the hate mail coming in now. Good, good call there, Minky. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's reading too much into it. That's probably what it's going for, really. So. Yeah, I mean the I mean, war first. It's the kind of game where you can say that. The war first starts because the beloved king was it Dorgula or Dogua or something like that. Dorgula. Yeah, he dies, and um, it was kind of a power vacuum. And then this the evil empire type Lotus, which is also seen in Ogre Battle sixty four, and the, another game we're talking about uh, after this, Knights of uh, Knights of Lotus. Knights of Lotus. Yeah. Of Lotus. Uh, they're like the evil, and they're coming in and influencing the politics going on now, uh, trying to fill in the, um, the that, that, that power absence, a power vacuum. And I think the, the backrooms are one 
uh, and you're the Wallstinians, I believe, like a smaller uh, Wallister, I believe. Yeah, the Wallstinians of Wallister. They're 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 a smaller island, and they're a, a lesser populated tribe or group. And then the Bakram are, uh, I think, more of the uh, upper class and uh, a larger uh, area of land. And I think. Yeah, I. I don't know how supply much applies to the original version, but the one I'm more familiar with, the PSP remake, specifically says the Bakram's like sixty to seventy percent of the population. Yeah. The Galgastani, yeah, the second that's, largest, that's the like twenty to thirty percent, like twenty percent or so, and the, the Wallace are like ten percent. Yeah, Wallstinians. They uh, and then Branton. They, well, you're talking about the. You're more familiar with the PSP. I've played both. The st- yeah, stories are pretty close. Especially at the beginning, they get a little different towards the third and fourth chapters. Uh, especially as far as um, some of the Lotus Knights go, like uh, uh, one of the Seven Knights, the Ozma. She's a uh, plays out way differently in the original. Uh, I see. She does not yeah, join I, you in the original. Well, okay, I haven't seen her join in my, the original in the, in the PSP version since. Okay, Laura, she went now. Okay. Uh, okay, first off, is I've only played the first chapter of the original version of the game. I know the mechanics, but I don't really know the story. Uh, the PSP remake, I'm almost done, but not quite. Like, I tried to beat it for this podcast, but I couldn't quite make it. The PSP version, I'm stuck on all, doing all the side quests and missions, and <laughs> so I haven't beaten that one. But uh, I guess, you, where, where do you want to go? Mike, do you want to start? you want to talk mechanics, or you want to keep going with the story? Let's keep going with the story while we're at it, because... Uh... If we get it all done now, then we won't have to talk too sure. much more about it for the PSP version because we'll already have covered the story. Well, yeah, it's no, no, it's completely different in the PSP. No, I'm just kidding. It's not completely, but there's nuances that change. Um, uh, anyway, if we get yeah, most yeah. of it done now, then we can just spend a couple minutes well, saying what changed. Well, it starts with some you uh, showing a town that gets set on fire, and there's some Dark Knight group guys that are riding around on horses and. Uh, called the Dark Knights Lost Lorien in the yep. PSP remake. Yep, and that's uh, the same. And headed by a guy named Lons, which if you've played Ogre Battle, it sounds familiar. There's a Lons in that too. But uh, and then uh, the very first little scene has uh, your player character and his sister and a childhood friend try to ambush this other guy going by the name of Lons, and uh, they find out it's mistaken identity. It's the hero Lons yeah, you- from the Ogre Battle game. With cannabis. Yeah, you basically mistake Holy Knights of Zenobia for a yep. bunch of evil lo- Lotus is Knights of Lost Lorien. It's kind of an awkward moment, but <laughs> it's resolved quickly. Yeah, basically it's Lons, Canopus, the Wingflyer, and Warren, the wizard with two uh, other white knights. Basically, Wait, Cannabis? Cannabis. Oh, Cannabis. Cannabis. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and uh, with two other white knights and it. I think it makes you believe it's the two knights that are always with Lons and Ogre Battle or th- that come with him, but it's not, you know, it never really says that, but uh, Murden and Gildane, and their their names are slightly different from uh, one uh, translation to the other, one localization, so... <laughs> Which is kind of well, true for well, let's see. Really. The, the original Ogre Battle was done by Enix on the Super Nintendo, yep. and Tactics Ogre was translated by... Uh... Well, I mean, even the Tactics Ogre on the Super Nintendo compared to the Tactics Ogre PSP, they did some different uh, name localizations. Like, uh, one of your big fighters is uh, Alocer. It's basically spelled a, a loser, is how it's spelled. The original <laughs> one. Ah, and uh, yes. I'm trying to think, what's her name in uh, the PSP version now? 
the art the really good archer you get. Um, oh, you sell? Yeah. And so they they make it. I guess they make it sound nicer instead of a loser. <laughs> Which is, you know, she's not a loser. Yeah, she's, she's the best unit in the game. She's pretty good. We'll get to um, Those are some very cruel parents to name her a loser. Yeah, it's Aerosel in the in the PSG. But uh, yeah, you you kind of then you talk with these white knights and they kind of help you go uh, free this the leader of uh, the revolution. Um, in, a, in, a, in the nearby castle, so you rescue him. You become the hero. Uh, you become the hero of the Wallister because you know there's a poor, subjugated ten percent minority. So yeah, you know they're they're unhappy about this and fighting a war against the Galgastani. So they ask you to help them out, and you do. You sign up with them, and this leads to genocide because that tactics ogre people. <laughs> yeah, they send you on some missions, and uh, you eventually get to the scene where uh where you have to make the decision and then you hit your first branching path which is lawful route or the chaos route and at a certain point in the game you can go a neutral route so really we can talk about and the stories for the three different branches are uh, a lot different you get completely different player characters um not well for the most part there's some that join you no matter what but you know one path your friend vice doesn't join you and actually maybe two paths he doesn't and then the law route he does and the chaos route he becomes kind of an evil guy i don't know the chaos route he becomes the nice like the you know the white knight and the lawful route lawful route he joins you in the neutral route. i think he just kind of goes nuts um if i'm if i'm remembering correctly uh, yeah i the hero's friend yeah, yeah. The i only played the neutral route since it ends with him being executed. So. Yeah, that's right. So he, uh, yeah, he goes nuts in that one. In the chaos route, he becomes, uh, you know, uh, a good kind of guy. But uh, after that, you then are now called either the butcher or the hero, or actually the butcher of Goliath. You get blamed for it, um, or you actually did do it, and uh, you start. You actually you go and you take over the Bakram. You kill them which is head by this uh, priest Branton who kind of is assuming power. And you come to find out the Knights of Las Lorien secretly want your sister, who's actually secretly the daughter of the late king, and she's not really your sister. And you find, you go and you find your father who knew the secret. He's a, he was a priest, and he's raised you and, and uh, raised her as your sister. He tells a story, and they're trying to subvert uh, your sister into becoming the you know, uh, a pawn and ruler of Lotus, you know, a pawn for Lotus and the ruler of the kingdom and reunited so Lotus can take control without having to subjugate the masses with war. And um, give him a figurehead, right? Pretty much. And so you go and you start fighting the knights, and then the knights kind of have a falling out with amongst themselves. And uh, a few of them branch off and uh, they go in those ruins and they're trying to get some. Awaken some, you know, uh, some powerful being, and uh, uh, against really the wishes of Lons, the 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 evil Lon, or the the Dark Knight Lons, and and some of the other. But you know, I'm I'm skipping over a lot of stuff. You there's like another liberation group that you come across, and you cross their paths a lot, and they sometimes they join you, and some of the routes, and some of them they they're not as friendly, or or they're friendly, but you you don't really work together. But uh, you have anything else to add, Nathan? Um, I can't think of much. 
I haven't seen all the different routes. Yeah. So I don't know what to say. I'm making the story sound a little more bland, but it's actually really, really good and gripping, I think. Yeah, it really is. I mean, there's some issues there, but it's still... I guess the neutral route at the third third chapter is kind of like a repeat, kind of like a repeat of the second, of the chaos route from the second chapter. But otherwise, it's kind of really interesting, nice well, story. So, how was the translation on PS One? Uh, I don't remember it so well. Uh, I remember it being. It's not too bad, uh, especially for its time when you've had some other crazy translations. It's better than Final Fantasy Tactics, if I remember correctly. It's, I think, better than Fossey Tactics. It's more in line with Ogre Battle than the later PSP translation yeah. is. I mean, the, the PSP translation just, you know, like, nothing is... doesn't care one bit about making it match up with Ogre Battle's stuff, like the name of the age or names of different locations and such. So well, it's, it's more consistent with other Ogre Battle games. The the old Super Famicom Tactics Ogre takes a more literal uh, translation, I think, and I think the PSP version tries to Americanize it some. Yeah, it does a lot of the same, you know, it, it does a lot of the same things they do with, say, Falsy 12 and such, of, you know, adding a lot of fairly language and elaborate translations and such. And Like, for example, they instead of preacher or priest, how do they call the basic priests in the, PSP tra- in the PS1 translation? I know there's, cl- like, oh, there's, uh, there's clerics and there's, um, it's the uh, exorcist well, I'm not talking about- um not so much the class as the oh. you know just the basic people like the title they give the hero's father. He's he's an Abuna. It's okay, well, I, Abuna Pritchett, I think is his name. Okay, I, I, I know that's name. the one. I know that's the PSP translation. Is that the same for the PS One? I'm trying to remember. I haven't played the PS One in about ten years, and I've been playing. Okay, <laughs> that's understandable. <laughs> but yeah, it's like they used to have like Abuna, which is like it's the name of the patriarch of the Coptic Church, I yeah. believe. Which is like it's a very elaborate, odd. It's what even inappropriate title for the use for it so they but that's what they use for priests it's they do a lot of stuff like that there's a lot of vagrant story referencing the psp translation too which is kind of surprising i think a lot of names of i think there are certain demon names as well like uh, in some sort of uh mythology or something uh that they use i read something about where a lot of these names come from uh, it's, it's interesting study if you're if that's something you you kind of get into digging into the lore and all that and the naming conventions. I'll, I'll say yeah, this. A Matsuno game tends to have enough lore that you can busy yourself for quite a while digging into it. Yes. Yeah, that's certainly true. And, I mean, there's, like, just reading the different descriptions of where people are from in random battles is kind of interesting, actually. It's like, every character in the game is like, given a nationality and such, so it's in a description of which faction they're aligned with. So it's a little bit interesting reading in just random battles against mooks in the, on the road. So it's kind of unique in that. Yeah, um, I guess that's it for the story so much. Uh, now, now there, as chaos, neutral, and law roots go, that means we have three endings, or are there sub-variants within each of them? I'm pretty sure there's only three endings for each okay. route. One for each route. Just checking, because what did the original Ogre Battle have? About a dozen endings? Yes, but those endings yeah. were different, but they're not too different, um, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, you know, there's also so many little things that can change across the length of a route. So many things like whether, like whether you even recruit Aricel along the certain routes. Well, if so, you go it, neutral, you can get her back. If you go law... No, I mean, it's like... like and, 
even recruiting in the first place and, and thing. It's like you know we have to get all these little optional conditions and such. Yeah. Well, in the in the original version, if you're chaos, you can get Alus there. If you go neutral, I think she fights you and she leaves. She joins you and then stops. And if law, I don't think she ever joins you. In the PSP version, I think she joins you in all of them. Really? Yeah, I think so. So there's a lot of di- right. Ozma doesn't join you at all in the original. She will join you in the law route in the PSP version. Um, there's a few other added characters and differences like that. Um, really, the characters are, are a big thing. Who you get? Uh, there's Habram, who's a a blind swordsman, who's a brother to one of the um, Lazlorian Knights, second command, and he was. I think engaged to Ozma at one point, and I know that's the case in the PSP version. I can't remember if that was made as obvious in the original version, but uh, and I believe he was blinded by his brother. The PSP version really spells this out a lot more how it happens. Like he, uh, yeah, it's like he's basically you know his brother basically kills his father and blames him for it, and so he's officially punished by having his eyes plucked out, and then he goes on a mission of revenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and this is just a random side character who barely gets any missions or story scenes, and he's got that kind of backstory. Yeah, well, in uh, yeah, in the law route, you get a, more of a backstory, I think. So each route, it's it's really hard to discuss the plot here when you have three different routes because they yeah they do so basically play the game, see different routes for yourself, yeah. enjoy. Well, in the PSP version, you can do the world uh, tarot thing. Yeah. I'll get to that when we get to yeah. talking about that game. That has to, I guess that's more game mechanics. Yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah. Um, so that's it really for the story on the PS1 version. Trust me, it's a lot more intricate than that. I'm giving it very bare bones. There's a lot of political intrigue, backstabbing, lying, uh, maybe some tropes, you know, as I discussed with the, oh, the hidden princess. But I think they implement it in a way that's kind of unique and different, especially for considering the, the time it came out. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that sounds about right for a Matsuno title. Yeah, yeah it's like it definitely seems pretty typical if you lay it out too much at the same time it's like in the, all the details it's really unique yeah and uh i guess let's talk about gameplay yes because there's much gameplay to be had and the ps1 version is this is where it's going to differ a lot from the psp version uh, oh yeah <laughs> they're very different gameplay wise yeah the psp super PS, different yeah the ps1 you level each character. That's going to be one of the big. It's more of a tradition. Yeah. Well, well, let's just talk. Let's just describe the PS1 one first and get to the PSP one and see how it's different then. Okay. The uh, PS1, it's going to be uh, similar to maybe you say Final Fantasy Tactics would be a good. Yeah, very similar to Final Fantasy Tactics. I mean, it also has some similarities to Ogre Battle since its class system, at, especially at first, really seems similar. It's like you start with soldiers and Amazons. Yep. Soldiers are the male characters and Amazons are the female characters, and you just start with only them at the beginning. For all the neutral characters, like, like Falsy Tactics, this game has a lot of basically generic, nameless, faceless characters who join. You can recruit to fill out your army, and they class change, kind of like Falsy Tactics. And this one, though, instead of starting with like Falsy Tactics as Squire and Chemist, they start with those two, yeah. which is taken straight from Overwatch. And before anyone comments, uh, we were well aware this preceded Final Fantasy Tactics, and so Final Fantasy Tactics borrowed a lot from this game. Yeah. Fallacy Tactics borrowed a lot from this one, but it's the later one. And just I reference it because it's more famous. Yeah, you can get up to 10 characters in battle, especially later on. Uh, and another big one, the first one's kind of hard, is you can't really revive your characters that die in battle until, I think, uh, almost midway through the game before you get your first revive. Yeah, it's, 
basically characters if they run out of HP, they're dead. If I recall correctly. And yes. Just dead, dead. Kind of like fire. And the only way. To, yeah. The only way you can't unlike fire emblem, you can actually resurrect them in that battle, but you only have that battle in which to resurrect them. Yeah. And uh, let me think. Uh, you can have up to ten in battle, uh, where, which I think adds a lot of strategy to it. Um, yeah, much bigger battles than some other games in the genre. The uh, height is uh, plays a factor, and terrain plays a factor. Yeah, height, terrain. Um... You have range attacks, melee attacks, uh, and the magic casters. MP is handled differently. You actually accrue it. You start off with zero and accrue it each turn instead of having an MP pool that you know you slowly drain away throughout the battle, which... Yeah, it means mages are really bad early in the fight, but later on they can pull out really cool spells. Yeah, though, I'm not really... This might be... I love this game. It's one of my favorites of all time, and I think the way they handle MP might be one of the things I like less. It's because it it's like they really encourage you to use items, basically, and use MP up items to start the fight to kind of get you going. Yeah, like... I don't, at least in the PSP version, every enemy mage starts the, every fight with pulling out a magic item to increase their MP. And that's not a bad strategy. Especially yeah, because you, really you, yeah, you don't start out with full MP. You start out with zero. Zero, yeah. I remember that. It's like, hmm, that's different. That's that's a totally different take. And what a, I mean, it makes them feel very different than warriors and such, though, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, so wait, why don't... Why don't they start saving up magic points until a battle begins? What were they doing at two minutes ago? Playing Parcheesi? <laughs> Bad wizards. I'm just go go ahead. Also, talking about items, like isn't this game each character only has a limited number of items they themselves are carrying? There's no big shared pool of items that you can pull out in the middle of battle. I'm trying or... to think. I know in the PSP one it's an unlimited pool. I'm trying yeah, to think of the PS... PSP. Like, yeah, it's the big shared pool of all items. So I think in the PS1, I remember having a dragon carry like four healing items. I can't remember if this is this game or like Ogre Battle 64. So. Okay, <laughs> and that's Ogre Battle 64 where you have to have your your party can only carry up to six or eight items each or something. Okay. So I'm not. You may have to carry items with these guys too. I can't recall. That's also Shining Force. You have to carry the item. Maybe this one. You know, uh, it's like I said, it's been ten years. I need to refresh. Myself. Yeah, it's been a while, but that's something I kind of remember. <laughs> Yeah, um, let's see. You can get monster classes like an ogre battle. You get the dragons, you get the golems. Dragons, golems, fairies. Giants. Griffins. Undead. Undead angels. Hellhounds. Oh, wait. Are there hellhounds? I don't know. There's not hellhounds. And there's cockatrices, at least. The griffins turn, yeah. Um, Yeah, what what uh, is the plural of cockatrice? Cockatrice. Cockatrice. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to bother. There's, oct- there's octopi. There you go. There's another one. Yeah, octopi. They're, they're, they, they suck in this one, just kind of how they sucked in, uh, in Ogre Battle, the original. So. They're pretty good in the PSP version, though, but we'll get to that. I don't like them even then. Oh, they're awesome, though. <laughs> Acid rain. Well, poison rain. Poison rain. I hate fighting them. I like to use them for some reason. That <laughs> makes sense. Um, yeah. But basically, oh, another thing I like in the original version is you are able to collect and get cool named unique items and weapons and armor. And um, uh, along the way, you, you know, you kill a big bad boss, you're going to get his awesome sword and you put it on one of your guys and you know, they kick butt. Uh, you can also, oh, I want to, you can get Deneb in this. Um, she's in the original, she's in almost every ogre battle. 
but uh, she's can become really powerful. You have to do a long series of quests and do certain, or go to her shop and buy a certain amount of things, and she'll join you. And then I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the 99 level secret dungeon they have that you have to unlock. And um, I can imagine on the Super Famicom where you couldn't save during battle that you had to go through 99 <laughs> battles in a row on that oh, save. I know in the P- the PS1 version, uh, the port, you could save. You could suspend and save in, in battle or in between battles. But the- That's bringing memories of trying to do the Ancient Cave in Lufia 2 back, but something tells <laughs> me this is much worse. Yeah. I'm, I could be <laughs> wrong, but I'm pretty sure you had to do them in a row like that and not save. Um, wow. And you go through that and you can get all kind of cool unique weapons and you know, armor and you know deck out really deck out your guys get some uh really special and unique magic uh and uh let's see one of the other gripes i have about this game which i think the psp allevi- alleviates in a way is that there's a training mode which oh i love the training mode i it's cool and it's not it was cool because it was a way for me and a friend to kind of fight each other in a multiplayer using my own team which we would do all the time. Uh, we kind of draft each character, but you basically have, you can do a 10 on 10, fight each other, and you use all of your squad against each other, and you fight. Um, and it was just... It's, the, interesting uh, way of level, it's a really unique way of leveling up characters I've never seen since. So just, oh, you know, hey, have a mock battle. Get, improve your skills. It's like totally logical that, you know, always able to do this and gain more experience, but can't do it in another game. Can do it in this one, though. Yep, and uh, there's ways to cheese around it. You could... I, I would just turn it on and set it to auto fight. Yeah, just have to set it AI, have both army fight against each other, or both computer control, and just watch how it goes. <laughs> okay, so I've got one Ogre Battle PS version whatever story. And this would be a good time to talk about it because it, it actually revolves around this whole mode and the combat and the XP and everything else and how it works. And then and then you guys can go on and I probably won't say anything until the end. We, I wonder, we I wonder if you have the same story game. I do. We'll so here's here's Uncle Phil's story. Phil went out and bought the collector's edition of this because he loves Ogre Battle. Got it. And, you know, because see on the back, it was a, a tactical game rather than a more of a strategic game. No big deal. It's it's t- Ogre Battle. Who cares? Awesome stuff. Played it for a few for, gosh, I don't know, a half dozen boards or so. And what happened was my hero, who always is in the front for some silly reason, was just getting more kills than everybody else. And you know what that means, right? He, he gets more levels, yeah. and it almost seems as if the enemies get tougher with him. I'm not really sure if there's a tie in there with his level and the enemy's level. But the problem was is that all the other guys were lower level than him, all the guys on my team. So they were incredibly ineffective. So I, I didn't realize, but just a few levels, one or two levels, seems to make a huge difference, at least in the early game. Unfortunately, I didn't stick it out. Um but but I did find the practice mode, which I thought was absolutely hilarious because I was getting so frustrated with the fact that my my this hero was causing a level discrepancy and and and, and a, basically I had to keep all my party members almost the exact same level with the hero in order for them to, to feel effective, and that's where kind of the battle trainer came in. But it was a slow, in my opinion, it was a slow artist artist whatever that word is, just a laborious. Thank you. Uh, a process. Then, of course, I found out that you could turn on the AI, which I thought was so hilarious because as I'm describing, you know, this game to my friends, I'm like, this this game is just, you know, so bad that it has to play with itself. Like, it, it, it's so boring. It's like I could turn on it and play with itself and just walk away. I mean, what game 
that has the option to play with itself because it's like you really don't want to go through this, do you? You want to level up your characters, but you really don't want to go through the work of uh, because the actual act of leveling up really isn't fun. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Oh, just turn on the AI. See, we put a solution in there. I'm like, so unfortunately, I didn't get too far uh, with this particular uh, version. Um, and I just, I don't know if that, that was you, uh, obviously that wasn't y'all's experience. You stuck with it and had a much better time. Unfortunately, that was probably my big mistake there was that I didn't actually stick it out more than maybe like level 10 at the tops. Well, that was the game's way of leveling up your guys basically, or to grind or to, to, to increase. All. But, but was that an issue? Was it that the enemies were leveling with your hero? On, Is that true? On or false? random yeah, battles it does and story battles. I don't think it does, but I can't. Yeah. Story battles are set. Random battles are more based off your character, I think. Uh, okay. And then is there a big, huge variance between being a few levels off from the hero? Uh, not necessarily the um, hero, just any character in general. Uh, you just happen to overuse your hero. Oh, that's probably what happened. That's, yeah, I overused the hero, and then I start falling behind in a story battle. So maybe I was thinking that it was tied with the hero, and really it wasn't. But the problem was now all the other characters are just falling behind the monster. So now you have to go whack yourselves, because there's, there's really... Yeah, that's the way to level up your characters. Yeah, if you really wanted a robust team, you had to do training. But what I would do for my training, I kind of made it really efficient. I wouldn't go fight each other because that wasted time running after each other. I mm. would uh, kill my own team. Each team would kill their own team. I'd line up the guys higher level, and the what? lower level guys would stand behind them and throw rocks at the back of their head. And they'd, level, they'd get points. Because in this game, every time you attack someone melee, they'll counterattack you. So if you had a little weak guy or trying to level up against one of your awesome higher level guys, he you'd hit him, he'd turn around, and he'd you know kill half, you know take half your HP. And you know I'm getting flashbacks of Final Fantasy two here, right? <laughs> and keep going. The other thing is, uh, if you're a lower level or if your character wasn't as good, you had a really low chance to hit. This game isn't where you you know you swing and you almost always hit each other. You actually there's percentages that come up and if you're not behind them and you you don't have a very accurate character you're you're you know you have like a 60 percent chance to hit and they'll miss all the time and they'll sometimes miss in the most frustrating places and your guy will die and you'll have to restart the battle because you don't want the special character to look but that, you know, <laughs> that goes uh beyond this but i would stand all my guys in a line and i'd stand the guys behind them and i'd throw rocks at their head until they died and then get let them have a kill shot and he'd level up and then he'd take his place in the line and they'd start throwing rocks at the back of his head so it's basically I sat around playing, training, throwing rocks in the back of my own teammates' head the entire time and leveling them up, which it was it did it the best way, but it was very tedious. Yeah, I just <laughs> I and that's, did not have and that, too much chance. That's where it kind of lost me. Yeah, yeah. I I have no idea how to feel in the long term. I said I only had the chance to play the first chapter, rented the game. It, I. Really would have liked to play it more, but you know, I never actually saw it come up available back then. So, yeah, I was already a big fan of Ogre Battle, so Texas Ogre was on my radar, and I loved. It. Despite a few of those issues, I I loved it overall. Yeah. Okay. Also, this is going a bit way back in the conversation, but I wanted to mention a couple of things since it'll be relevant later. But one thing I kind of like about this game compared to even Ogre Battle is the fact that you know, it's pretty easy to recruit things. If you go into a neutral battle, or if the random battle gets normal enemies, rather than, say, a story battle, basically, you can recruit almost anyone you find just by having the hero walk up to them and say, hey, join me. Yeah, It's really easy. Much easier than policy tactics or ogre battle and such, and I really liked that. Like Early on, grabbed a lizard man, grabbed a cyclops, grabbed a fairy. It's just, it's They're just all ready, to, ready, all ready to jump on a team Nathan. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty and cool. I really like that about the game. 
Yeah, Final F- it was it was definitely a little frustrating in tactics. Or I think it wasn't tactics one where you had to wear down the hit points first or something. You do have to wear down and, hit points, I thought, and then yeah, try to recruit them with their like ten less, ten life or less, and then no, the exception yeah. goes high. Yeah, and then you always got you know your your guy unfortunately got a little too zealous, whacking him with the sword. He's dead, and you're like, ah. <laughs> yep. And um, I had one other point to add, and I just lost it. Oh well. <laughs> Uh, what about the um, if you're if you haven't quite got that thought together? Maybe you want to talk a little bit more about the the class system. Oh, I, I did forget the uh, there wasn't a lot of skills in this game. It was kind of more generic, where your guy, you know, yeah. they have magic or not, and your guy's gonna attack, and uh, you know, a knight's gonna swing a sword, and he's got a shield, and your dragoon's gonna have a spear most likely, and your uh, dark knight will have an axe, and your uh, uh, Beastmaster, you know, likes whips. It was very more stream, very much more streamlined. Certain classes like Canopus had a special attack, but a lot of them didn't really even have special attacks. I don't recall. So it was more based on your equipment and the class. But uh, you know, you get a lot of the same classes. Soldiers can go into knights, dragoons, beast tamers, uh, wizards, and then there was even more advanced. Well, not well, there was an advanced yeah. warlock class, but it was more on like other kind of different different set of spells you could use. And then the females could be sirens, which are actually a little bit better than wizards, I think. Um, witches, right? Not only dead can be the dead can be the witch, I think. Uh, no, I thought the witch is just a normal instead of the invent inflicting class ogre battle. No, I, I don't think he, I think the only witch is the neb and tactics ogre. And you could be this. You could turn into a yeah. siren, or no? Maybe the witch was the warlock equivalent. But I'm not sure if anyone could be it. I don't. The, the class system's different in this than the PSP version. Um, okay, I was, I was thinking, my, mentally I keep thinking similar to Ogre Battle and Ogre Battle 64 in terms of how it's built. But yeah. I guess maybe it's not, might not be in the long run. And then uh, female could be, a, the they're the only ones that could be the Valkyrie class and um, Archer class. And then there's the Cleric and the Priest. I think the female and male versions are slightly different. And I'm trying to think of any other... But yeah, that's basically, and then so each class you can you just change classes by classing up, right? You take a lower class and go up to great to newer class. Nathan, we're getting a little bit of stag from you. You might have to re uh, disconnect and reconnect real fast. Uh, okay. Yeah. The, Didn't quite. Did you get his question, John? No, not really. Something about classing change. I think you could just pick which class you wanted to, as long as they met certain criteria. And was, it, was it easier than Ogre Battle? <laughs> yes. A little more transparent. Um, yeah, well, Ogre Battle was transparent if you had the huge-ass, long, um, you know, the big sheet. Yeah. The big sheet that I, I got with it. But heaven forbid you bought it used. And you didn't have the sheet, and you didn't have the guide. And, of course, you didn't have the internet back then. But we digress. So this is much easier than in that respect. Yeah. You back, Nathan? Yeah. I okay. Uh, what, were you, what was your question? I think uh, we couldn't understand. I was like, it's... How do you change classes? Because I know this is different than the PSP. You just change them. You don't have to have class marks or anything. You just change them as long as they meet the criteria. Yeah, it's meeting the stat requirements, kind of. Yeah, and actually alignment played a part. That's also I forget. Yeah, that's uh, so. Yeah, this is a lot like normal. Yes, you actually, you know, a chaos guy, a a guy with chaos alignment can only be certain classes, where a law alignment guy can only be certain classes. So you were as simple than requiring a specific number, I believe, but still Mm -hmm. requiring the same. Yeah, I'm not sure if they actually changed all that much. I think a guy was just a chaos guy, if I recall. Um, another thing is, 
your stat gross per class was very unique. So if you wanted a certain kind of character, you would actually have to strategically pick which class progression line you went. So if you wanted a strong ninja, you'd make him like a, a beast master or a knight or something for so many levels and switch him to a sword master for so many levels and switch to a ninja and you'd round out his skills better. So there's some classes there if you you know, just change them in that one class and that the whole time they'll have some deficiencies and you know they may be over and uh, some other uh, ratings. So you had specific uh, stat gross per class and uh, as we'll talk in the PSP version they, they, they altered that a good bit. But I think that's it for this one. You want to talk about the PSP one now? No, we might go through Night of Lotus. Night of Lotus next. So, Are we um, so well, before we before we go on, oh, wait, well, wait, wait, wait. Uh, how? Uh, let's oh. just get it out of the way. How does it look? That one, it wants a, it's a Super Famicom game. So for those who yeah. played it on the PS One, it's gonna look dated. It's gonna look, you know, like yeah, sixteen bit game. But did you it's know a step I, below Fossey Tactics for yeah. the recurring yeah. Yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, but it still, well, actually looks. It, kind of nice, all told. Yeah, but I was about to say, it, it, yeah, it's it's a it's a definitely a little slip below uh, tactics. But back in the day when they were pumping out all this, you know, like games like Wild Arms One, you know, which had like <laughs> three polygons per character. I mean, personally, I would I still preferred you know looking through those lenses. I prefer this look versus that look. Yeah, these were even though that was more advanced instead of you know the three D like Final Fantasy Tactics. Well, here's a related question. We know. That if you do a sloppy cartridge to CD port, you can end up with load times where you previously had none. How did this one fare? They weren't too bad at all. Uh, no. Okay. No, they weren't bad. No, that this this the loading times on this weren't nearly as frustrating to me as the PlayStation version of Ogre Battle. Yeah, the loading times weren't bad. I don't remember the the as for, compared to like Final Fantasy Tactics, the effects weren't very good at all. They're very very yeah. upgrade, but the sprites are pretty good and. Um, yeah, overall graphics, yeah. It's, uh, the music, though, the music's awesome. Oh yeah, the music's the music's awesome. The um, so you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm usually I like to go around and say what did you guys think, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But but since we have another game on the list that's very similar in a lot of ways to that one, we're gonna we're gonna hold on to those thoughts uh, until we get to that. Uh, let's see. We're gonna take uh, we're gonna take a small break. And we'll be right back to talk about the next game in our Tactics Ogre Roundup. And we've returned and we're ready to talk about Tactics Ogre, The Night of Lotus. This was developed by Quest, published by Atlas, released here in North America on May 7, 2002. A single-player tactical... Oh, actually, this could be multiplayer, and I'll tell you how in a second. A single-player tactical RPG experience coming to you on one Game Boy Advance cartridge. And, of course, everybody knew... Everybody... No one played a single-player. They all played a multiplayer, because what they do is you make a party, and then you just hand it around to all your friends. Each one played, like, a different party member, and they all took turns. So okay, you don't have kidding. to break out the multiplayer cable? <laughs> so you don't have to break out the multiplayer cable. <laughs> You know, because that's that's the way to play Crystal Chronicles. You get everybody's individual GBA hooked up to the GameCube, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I I you know to this day I I knew of nobody who did that, but but that's how they sold it. No, 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 we do. Remember, I think Cassandra told us that she did that when she when we did that episode way back when. Oh, that is too funny. Um, anyway. God bless her. So we do not need to talk about the fun that was the Game Boy Advance 
multiplayer cable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so uh, John, you played this game, yes. right? Oh, good, because this is going to be a really short segment if you said no. <laughs> All right, so here's the, here's the deal, John. Okay, I've uh, I you know when were you here for the ogre bout? I can't remember. Yes. I don't think you oh, yeah. were you here for the ogre bout. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember how excited I got mm-hmm. when I found out that y'all had told me that ogre bout sixty four was on the Wii? Mm-hmm. It's downloaded. I'm enjoying it. I'm so excited. And I'm still on eBay looking for an Ogre Battle 64 skin to wrap my Wii in. Because <laughs> that that's that is now the Ogre Battle 64 machine. So I, I you know I enjoy uh doing these podcasts as well as listening to them because sometimes I discover I hope that my list the listeners get the same thing out of these things. But sometimes I learn stuff I didn't know, and I did not realize that Tactics Ogres, the Night of Lotus, was actually a different game. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a prequel. Oh, I didn't know that. So I just read some notes here and I'm like, okay. So I had never bought this. I never added it to my collection. So now you're going to tell me whether or not I should add to a collection. I'm like one of the audience members. I'm going to sit here on the edge of my seat hanging on your every word. Well, it's it's very – it looks almost exactly like the PS1 Super Famicom version. Uh, they use a lot of the same sprites. Um, it's a, Is it easy to see? Yeah, yeah. It's not bad. Okay, I, I, well, I just have to ask this because I did play it for a little while in the back of a van going to Sacramento in the summer of 2002. I played it on a, D, a DS Lite when I played it. Oh, and my, I had an original Game Boy Advance, which meant that – you remember how much fun that was uh, trying to make sure that it's in the sun yeah. so that you can clearly see what you're doing? I think that might have been a big part of it. I played on the DS Lite, and it looked great you know, as far as you know, considering what it was. Yeah, that would that would make a huge difference. I remember get very getting very frustrated because uh, if ever the car went in the wrong direction, I would suddenly find myself going, "But I can't see what the hell I'm supposed to be doing." God damn it! Yeah, the, sorry. That, that's a, that's a generic Game Boy Advance <laughs> original model complaint. There, it's a uh, it's a more streamlined version, I would say. Uh, Tactics over light, but it's maybe not not like a probably eighty percent. You know, depth-wise, it's a little shorter. It's uh, there's not quite as many classes, but the, the mo- majority of them are all there. Uh, the story is pretty good. Uh, same kind of you have to make a big decision to change different paths. I think there's five or six different endings. Uh, but your uh, your Alphonse is the the player character, and you're with your uh, a knight of Lotus. Imagine that, and your uh, <laughs> commander, you know, is named Richter, and you follow him along, uh, and he basically makes you make another decision that you have to either go with them or not. Uh, you're trying to basically Lotus, of course, again, is trying to take over another country and you're, you're fighting against them and you kind of get wrapped up in, into their plights and trying to help these people out. And he's trying to get some special spear, which is the horn of a demon. They're trying to re- reawaken. And you go and you, uh, Depending on which route you take, you either you know help Lotus or kind of fight against them, and you kind of help join the. There's a few factions in Lotus too that kind of are vying for power always, and uh, you can take the good guy route, and you you know get the angel on your side, and you defeat the demon, you get the spear, and, and yada yada yada. But uh, so the the angel will actually go with you in the, this kind of lawful way. Yeah, you get an angel fight for you join you. Uh, okay. Like, but all over about it, you you have the the angels and the angel knights and all that, but uh. I can't think of her name. I don't know if she... I know she's there. I can't remember if you actually control her or if she just kind of supports you. It's been a while since I played this one, too. But I I did beat it. Um, okay, yeah. I did, I did not get anywhere near that far. I, I was fairly new to tactical RPGs at the time and trying to play it while 
being talked to from the front of the van and trying to see the thing did not make for a very happy experience. Yeah, but you get the same kind of, you know, the knights, dragoons, ninjas, wizards, and all that. They had another system in it where you kind of earn badges, which is kind of cool. Uh, I remember the octopi. Yep, yep. And there, there are badges you had to – some classes required you to unlock a certain badge. It was like kill X you know, enemies and you become a dark uh, black matter berserker kind of guy. I can't think of the class name exactly. but Or others, you, you can't kill this many people and you can become a priest or an angel. And, and there's all kind of rules. And then some you – know, uh, there's like bullpen hero if you – there's training in this. So if your guy earned like so many levels training and he got that badge and – they either restricted them or didn't let them do certain things. or So to, so all these class restrictions you're talking about, mm-hmm. sounds like you need an FAQ, or is that in, in tooltips in the game or anything uh, yeah, like well, that? Yeah, well, these are they're, they're kind of like, they're almost like achievements for your characters, basically, which is kind of cool. Like, your guy does a certain amount of damage, or, or I can't remember all of them exactly, but you do certain things, and your player unlocks a badge. Oh, okay, you got this badge, and... Now, since he got this badge, some classes had badge requirements in order to, to prerequisites in order to unlock the class for that character. So, like I think, like the Black Knight kind of class, you had to kill X number of enemies or twenty or so before in battle before he could actually become the Death Knight type character uh, class. And then um, other ones, I'm trying to think of all the. I can actually look them up. They they escape my mind, but a, a lot of it was kind of getting these little achievements for your characters and. And uh, which is very unique, and I thought it actually worked pretty well. I enjoyed that aspect of the game a lot. Um, let me pull up the tactics over. There's a cool little website a guy made for it. It's, it's emblems. Like Blood Rain requirement: kill 25 enemies. In effect, enemies within three panels drop one mental gauge. So I guess they're more afraid of you when you're around them if you have the Blood Rain uh, emblem. Uh, dragon scale requirement: kill five dragons. Uh, the effect. It opens up the dragoon class, and persuading beasts is reduced by fifty percent. So you be you can if he's killed five dragons, he can now become a dragoon, and you switch his class to that. So they had, they had cool. Uh, so they figured out the achievement system a long time before anybody else. Yeah, you know, kind of it's kind of they kind of did um, in a way, but it was cool getting all these little uh, say okay bogus hero requirement. You gain twenty levels by training only. Uh, you cannot perform critical hits. Your character can't. So <laughs> that that's an example of a negative one. So uh, Centurion is a good one. Have one character finish off all of the enemies in a stage, and the effect is he gets a plus twenty strength permanent boost to his, uh, you know, re- abilities. So those are those are fun to kind of power up your team, and uh, it really plays out a lot, just like the PS one version of Tactics Ogre for the most part. You know, you got your pass to take, your different player, your different characters that can join you. It's just, it's a little shorter, and uh, it's like. Well, it sounds like the classes though are more complicated. The classes themselves are the same. You just unlock them in a different way. Maybe unlocking them is a little more complicated, only on hmm. some of them. But not all, not every class has an emblem requirement. Only some do. So, mm-hmm. like Vixen's Whisper, female characters only requirement. Persuade a male character. The effect you open up that that character can now become a witch. So that's one way to do it. Um, Only one male character? Yeah. Just, that's how. That's all it takes to be a vixen? That's, that's it. Only one. Okay. Um, let's see. You want to know the big... Do you want to you spoil the big uh, story thing for you, Phil? 
Uh, Are you, you going know, to remember it, Phil? <laughs> that that's the million dollar question. When I play it like eight years from now for my collection. Will I actually remember? Are it? you plug your fingers in your ears and go la 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 la? <laughs> yeah, you know, go ahead. All right. Well, your main character in this game is actually Lons Tartare, the Lazlorian Knight in Tactics Ogre. Well, there you go. You I'll totally remember that. Yeah, I know. Because, <laughs> you know, I remember that guy clearly. Like, it was just yeah. like yesterday. I was walking down the street. There he was. So you're you're him in the game. You don't find out till the very end. There you go. So there, I spoiled it for you. It's all so, spoiled. So what, he's got amnesia, or is this something that he just doesn't... This is a prequel. Has... Oh, right, 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 right. So this is him. This is kind of... This is how he becomes who he is. And he kind of becomes disenchanted and becomes the cynical bastard he is in Tactics Ogre. Or in this one, he's like the righteous hero in a way. And then that, he... that almost reminds me of Dragon Quest VI, where you learn at the end that you are the chosen hero. Ah, they... don't tell me. Uh... I haven't played that one yet. Oh, okay. Ah! <laughs> 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 you better not read Hardcore Gaming. Yeah. Uh... Y'all, y'all don't do it, Minky. <laughs> it, it, okay, it's no, like no, Dragon no, Quest VI. No. Okay, okay. You can say that. <laughs> I'm gonna, kill, wait, I'm gonna reach wait, through the microphone and choke. Wait, is he talking about final? Did you say Final Fantasy no, six? Yeah, yeah. No, don't spoil any of that for me. You know, because I've totally forgotten the plots of those games. So when I go back and play them, it's gonna be like brand new now. I have not played Dragon Quest six. That is, by the way, boys and girls, those of you listening to the show, as you know, I'm an ancient relic from the past. And uh, you know, while while sometimes I I do uh, remember my youth with fondness, one of the benefits of getting older is that when you go back and play these games, you've completely forgotten them. And it's like it's like it's brand new again. It's awesome. It saves so much on game cost. I digress. You're reminding me of that list of things that are good about getting Alzheimer's. Yeah. You guys just got to look at the glass half full. That's all. Like, there's no place like home. (laughs) There's no place. Just look at that glass half full. That's all I'm asking. But I guess for this game, if you like Tactics Ogre, especially the PS1 version, you'll like this game. But what if I didn't like the PS1 version? Did you really not like it, or you just think you didn't like it? <laughs> He's trying to play the devil's advocate here. If you didn't like well, the PS One version, you're probably not gonna like this game. When you're... You know, I think now that I think that if if I can find it, I I, I kind of believe you guys. I might want to find out for a fact before I waste more time on. Well, I, I uh, well I, I don't because I have the PSP version, but. You know, had someone come out of the woods and just said, Phil, they don't scale, the enemies don't scale up with you. It's just in the practice motors. Because for some reason, I had it stuck in my head the enemies scaled up with me, which which meant the more I practiced up my hero, the more I was screwed anyways. And then I couldn't keep my other guys high enough. And it, it just frustrated me and ended up play, watching the computer play. And it took forever to beat myself up. <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't fun. If you, did the, the, if you did the stones in the back of the head, the rocks in the back of the head, that, that, that made it faster. Do you do that in the Game Boy Advance? Is there like the AI mode? There is and the training mode, mode but I don't that? think it takes as long for some reason. It, it mm-hmm. wasn't as – it's there, and you, like I say, there's emblems for it, but it's not – I don't remember it being as a pain in the ass, if that makes sense. So, okay. But All right, so I might check it out. It's basically, like I said, it's, it's a lot like the PS1 version with some nuances like the emblems and obviously a new story and – what have you. Well, yeah, you said that there are more than three endings here, which makes me think that there are sub paths you can take within the, the alignments. Well, it's, it's, I think it's not—it's more like ogre battle. It's not so much paths that are different. You, the game plays out a lot the same. It's just you make certain decisions, and that's just going to affect the ending you get. 
Okay. Um, certain emblems and there there is one big decision you have to make in the game, and and then you have to do certain things to get the A plus ending, which gives you all of uh, Alphonse or Lanza's uh, backstory and kind of sit in between the two games. But that's the what do you, the perfect ending. What do you think, Mickey? Does this sound like it's it's up your alley? Tactical RPG, Game Boy it, Advance. It sounds like now that I, twelve years later, now that I have considerably more tactical experience, I would probably get a whole lot more out of it than, than I would in the back of a van going through California summer and being yammered at by relatives. I would play the PS1 or the PSP version first because it is a prequel, and I think you'll appreciate mm-hmm. some of it a little more. But it's not necessary. Right, you want to play. Right, you'd want to play the Game Boy Advance and then one either the game the the PS One or the well we'll talk about it in just a second. So, um, do you have any other thoughts about this uh, this version before we move on? No, I don't really recall the music in it, so um, I, it's probably not that, bad. But I don't know if it was as, as good as the uh, PS One or PS. Probably. Well, at the very least, the sound quality was probably bad sure. because. We, we remember the poor GBA speakers. They tended to sound yeah, awful. Sure. That's probably the case. But the graphics are, you know, that it'd be hard to tell sometimes which one, which game is what as the, well, I guess the resolution would be a little different, the screen size, but the, the, the sprites are, I think, stolen from the other one. A lot of them. Yeah. But did game. as I recall, Yasumi Matsuno was only the producer on this. He didn't direct it or no. have too much to do with the script. I don't believe he did, no. Because this was around the time I think he had just finished Vagrant Story, and was about to be sucked into the the, the deep deep morass of Final Fantasy XII. I think this one was like O two, wasn't it? Yeah, and didn't twelve start get I, start development in O one? Probably. Yeah, I know he didn't uh, have a direct hand in this like the other ones. But hmm. should should we check prices now, Phil, or wait for the end? No, we're gonna wait for the end on this one. I know the okay. I know the prices of these already, Phil. I got you. you you've already got you've already got I covered. Got That's covered. fine. That you you can absolutely handle I the price round, the, round up. This, I do all the uh, the collecting of all this stuff. <laughs> oh, good, good. Me, I, you know, and I I'm a big collector too. So you and I have something in common. Oh yeah. Sure. It's almost as if we should do a podcast together about it sometime. <laughs> yeah. Hey, check it. I think we're ready to move on to Tactics Ogre. Let us clean together. It almost sounds like they just need to put one of those dryer sheets in there so they don't cling together because static cling is really bad. Uh, this was uh, developed by Art Dink and Square Enix, published by Square Enix, a turn-based strategy game for your PSP released here in North America on February 15th, 2011. This was rated T for teen because of nasty fantasy violence, vile blood, mild language, and worst of all, mild suggestive themes. Now... I, I see that in Japan, because the original Tactics Ogre was already Let Us Cling Together, this version was Wheel of Fate in Japan. The Wheel of Fate or Wheel of Fortune? Wheel of yeah. Tactics! Yeah, well, if I see Vanna White in there, then I'm leaving. Sorry, people. I think they also called it Let Us Cling Together in the American version on the PS1. It just wasn't in the in the game itself. I think it was maybe in the title screen when it came on. Okay, I'm sorry, Minky. I hate to get sidetracked again, but you had to bring up Vanna White. What What is she doing in the show still? Not only is she probably, you know, I mean, she's been there for a long time. Let's just face it. But 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 but, but the letters have it have needed to be turned in like three decades. You know, they've been television screens. They just automatically blink on. Why is she there? I don't say eye candy because that that ship sailed along. What is she there for? Tradition. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, tradition. Because tradition. It, 
Because otherwise, Pat Sajak would just have to stand there, and he would be the one you're looking at. Do you really want to look at Pat Sajak all the night? time? He just pops up in front of the board, his big face, you know, real zoomed in, real close. Or the contestants. Let's face it, the Wheel of Fortune contestants, however nice people they often are, generally are not the ones you want to be staring at. All right, so it's no secret that this is... See, you wanted Miki, to talk about it? There Miki, we go. Miki always knows how to bring me back on, on course because he just gets way into left field on this. Uh, so uh, so it's no secret that this is obviously a version of the PlayStation 1 game we just talked about. The question is, is it a remake or a port? It's not a port. It's a reimagining. Reimagining. There you go. <laughs> New category. Yeah, there you go. It's uh, I think it's more in the, but it's not a complete redo. It's it's not like a reboot. I would say remake or uh, enhanced port maybe. Okay, so uh, so uh, let's start off with the differences in story and or characters. I've I've mentioned on some like Alistair, Ozma, Ozma can join you, or she's more of a uh, sympathetic character in the PSP version, where in the PS1 version she's kind of an evil bitch. Um, and her brother, uh, other story elements. Every time I hear the character Oz, I know it's in several games, but it always makes me think of Oz. Well, her, remember her brother, Ozma, the princess of Oz. Her brother is Oz and she's Ozma. They're the, they're both Lazlorian knights, dark knights. Um, so long as we don't have any talking scarecrows or tin men, right? Yeah. Uh, the story. Well, in this world, you never know. <laughs> The stories are pretty similar. They follow along the same path. There's small nuances. There's a lot of dialogue changes. Um, are they for the better? Are they are they just you know are they cleaning up the translations yes. or is it like changes to the plot? There's subtle plot changes. There's cleaning of the translation. There's more added dialogue. I think they they add more depth overall to it um, and mm-hmm. and more backstory stuff that you just kind of was hinted at in the uh, original version. Uh, there's mm-hmm. some changes of when you fight certain guys, uh, some changes in the different paths. I've only play, gone through the law route on the PSP version, so I don't know all the changes on the chaos and neutral routes in the PSP versions from the original. Uh, there's a world tarot ability where you can kind of go back and do all of them, which I'm go- I haven't gotten to yet. So, uh, In the PS1 version, I've done the chaos routes and uh, about half or probably about two-thirds of the neutral route so just from reading some stuff i I know there's other differences but i mean the overall overarching story is going to be basically the same it's just how you get there and who you get there with is going to slightly be different they also added uh, ravenous to the game she's a new character uh so all of her uh stuff has uh, been totally injected into the game and and built upon um and she's a pretty cool character Hmm. Now, the script you mentioned is somewhat different. Does it feel kind of like the translation for Final Fantasy Tactics on PSP? No, it's better. Uh, I know the Final Fantasy Tactics one I didn't like because they used used the uh, old English-style, frilly-type language too much. Uh, This one... It's still here in this one, but it's not as bad as some Square Enix translations. Yeah, it's not nearly as much, I I don't think. It's, uh, I, I think it's for the better, for the most part. This was only three years ago, and yet Square Enix brought it across the ocean. That that seems so long ago. Yeah. yeah. For the PSP people. 
But mm. if you heard our discussion of the story about the PS1, I'd say it's about 80% the same on this one. With uh, you know, Without going through step-by-step step each process, I think there's no other better way to say it. Yeah, I mean, I, as I said earlier, don't really have a lot of knowledge of the original version, but this game, it's got a good story. It just... I guess that's all you can say. It's like, it's a good, sto- interesting story. It's not a lot, of, a lot of crazy twists, and I really want to see the other branches when I get around to that. Yeah. Hmm. Gameplay is where is the biggest difference. Yeah, okay. gameplay. Uh, well, yeah, I guess we could talk. I think you pretty much have talked pretty well about the stories, changes, and the stuff. So, sure, why not? Let's talk about gameplay. Well, you level by class and not by character. Get yeah, out! Taking a, yeah. It's yeah, taking a page from the book written by Valkyria Chronicles. Now, instead of you know Denim, the main hero, getting levels, instead it's his class soldier, then later knight getting levels. That's now, to pick we, those classes for him. We've got a lot of collective gaming history between all of us. Is this the first game to do that, or was there another game before Valkyrie this? Chronicles did that. But didn't Valkyrie come, did it come before? Yeah. Yeah, it came way before, yeah. before this. I think two, uh, Valkyrie Chronicles 2 came out before this. Yeah, Valkyrie Chronicles is what, 07, 08, and this was 2011? 2000, yeah, I think 2011, 2010. So yeah, it came a couple yeah. years before. Now we're talking about an early PS3 game versus a late PSP game. Mm, but uh, okay. I think there's some benefits to this system and some well it gets rid of the whole need for training it also um i don't want to say it does that i mean this system it has benefits but also i'll just say now <laughs> tactics over psp is grindy oh, yeah. if you want to build up all these classes yeah you gotta grind it's very very grindy i i haven't beaten the game yet but i put more than 90 hours yeah. this is talking about the scale levels of grind that's if you want to have a well-rounded group and get all the classes. Yeah, like if you're just going the very minimum of just like the 12 characters you need to fill out your team and to run through every map, it's probably a lot more reasonable. But there's a lot the game does to make that you know, not so like make that a bit unattractive. Yeah, the one thing I don't like about it is it becomes oh I got a new class so so I make this character who has like a level 20 now he's a level one he's got to level up but he keeps he does keep all of his skill points which we'll get to. I know, but uh, he keeps his skill points, but at the same time you know equipment is level based yep. so you need to oh wait whoops I need to use that sword I had back at level one if it's still around. Oh, I and... keep all at least one of everyone <laughs> just for. Yeah, that. I know. It's like that's how you need to keep it around, but it's like then it's like oh now he's level four so I need to change his equipment and. It basically it's turns really into enough. doing a lot of random battles and hiding the the newbie newbie in the corner. Yeah. Let him soak up the XP. Yep, because uh, when you and un- okay, unlike the PS1 version, if you attacked and you made a kill, you would get you know kind of like Shining Force or something. Your character would get experience points based on his level as opposed to the enemy. And if yeah, you like, hit him or if you killed him, he'd get you know a certain amount of points. In this, yeah. it doesn't matter who makes Just- the kill; it's all pooled together. Yeah, it's like, you know, experience, like, originally, it's, you know, it's like Fire Emblem or Fall Tactics, you need to participate to get experience. Now, it's just, you know, you get experience based, you get more experience for being lower level, and you get more experience from the more people that are of a class in a given fight, since, you know, it's class-based. So, to me, it makes it leveling easier in a way, as you can have a really weak guy, he can sit and hide in the corner and level up, whereas the original, if you had a not very powerful guy that ends up becoming good, it's hard to level him because he can't hit anything. And he'll yeah. die really easy from a counterattack. And so it was actually yeah, I, hard to level them up. 
Yeah, I can. I really kind of prefer the whole everyone gets even map experience rather than the, you know, it's based on face of participation for you know keeping your party balanced and well operated. But you know, it still has some problems. Yeah, I, I like it too I because in problems. in the games where you have to like set up kill shots for the weaker characters so they can level. The problem with that is it becomes more of a game of, okay, let me set up this kill shot, protect them, yeah, get them over there, that, get the kill, all oh, crap, it, he missed, okay, keep him protected, okay, hit him again. Or in this, you just, you know, you fight and you try to win and that's all you have to do. Yeah, that, I really like the change of focus just to, you know, you, you only need to worry about winning the battle because, you know, the battles are hard. You don't have to want to worry about the leveling up people in the middle of that too. And uh, you can read. Yeah, and anybody who's played a lot of tactical games knows that feeling. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's nice to get away from that. Oh, I got to set up the kill shot thing. Is you know. Yeah. Keep, it, yeah. keep him. Too, too many away. tactical RPGs do that, unfortunately. When you have a character, that's why I always struggle to keep them the same level, is because, and I think that's what was happening when I was playing the that dev. I mean, as you pointed out, that was exactly what was happening when I was playing the PlayStation version was that I just had people falling behind, just clearly being becoming ineffective very quickly. So you had to set up killing shots, usually doing party versus party battles. But if one of those counterattacks kicked in, oh, crap, I just, oh, man, I just wasted the last 30 minutes setting up that shot. Damn it! Controller goes through the screen. Or your, guy, your character misses at, like, 90%, he counterattacks and crits you, and you die, and you just want to... Yeah, that's exactly... Yeah, it's just terrible. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it does that. It's also... The, probably my favorite addition is the robust skill system, which... Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Skill system is definitely a, with both the nice things, but also kind of a problematic thing regarding to what we were talking about just now, because, you know, every character, every time I fight in the battle, they don't gain personal experience, but they do gain skill points. And the more you participate, the more you can get skills, which are cool stuff like... Like, it goes from boring stuff like, you know, your slightly better attack power. Or stuff like you can now equip swords. Well, it's not you can equip so much you can actually get, you're now better at swords, and every time you use a sword, you now gain experience with it, which is a little strange. But or more elaborate stuff like you know you're now better fighting human opponents, or you're now immune to stun, and so forth. There's tons of these, and they're kind of based off of your class. So the higher the level your class is, you can buy from better list. But this is kind of a problem too because you know. Is the game you gain experience with your classes? So you know this, but it's so for example, you can take a level five archer and turn him to level twenty knight, but he won't have the skills of a level twenty knight. You need to grind those up. So it kind of defeats some of the very purpose of having this class-based, you know, experience system. But it's still a cool system in its own right. Yeah, I think it, it but it, it helps you. It can help you make a, a low character more powerful by having those already. But it also, I think, can make a a. Uh, you know, a high character, you jump up there and then you cause them to use more and get his skills up. But once you kind of hit your 10 skills, it's not too bad. And uh, I think it's a it's a fun progression during the game is and you actually have something in between battles to do. OK, I need to go spend all my skill points. Oh, I you know, unlock. The, yeah, there's a lot. It's definitely a great old customization system. Don't get me wrong. It's just, you know, I'm not sure it works well with the game's class level system is all. But then we get to my least liked addition to the game. Can you guess what it might be, Nathan? Um, trying to level up that darn anatomy skill, which gains like point zero zero one percent each time you attack something. I'm talking about the uh, crafting. Uh, oh god, <laughs> crafting is so silly in this because it's, you know, you spend money. It's, fundamentally, it's you spend money and the item gets better. There's so many little steps you need to do in the meantime that are, you know, tedious. It's boring. Yeah, you have to. Okay, 
you have to make, you know, get this many irons uh, and this many pieces of wood and do this and do that. Yeah, okay, it's like the most cost-effective way of doing something is like, you know, oh, hey, I want to upgrade my spiked flail. And so I need the spiked flail, an iron, and two pieces of steel. But in order to make the steel, I need two pieces of iron and two pieces of graphite. Okay, so I just need now I need five pieces of iron and two pieces of graphite. But no, I need to make the graphite by converting each from one piece of inferior ore. Now I need to make the iron from each iron requires three pieces of iron ore. So now I need to make 15 things of iron ore, each which requires two pieces of inferior ore. I need to make every last one of these in every step manually with a chance of failure. And you have to do the math and yeah, and then uh, you can't just say, okay, make 10 irons. And he goes, you got to say, do one does a little animation okay and then do another does a little animation okay done so it's it's really an exercise in tedium but yeah i mean i mean that's, you are, that's you are bringing back horrible flashbacks from hoshigami right now yeah <laughs> yeah i mean they could it's a cool idea but they the implementation is poor yeah it's like you know especially since you know like sure there's a chance of failure but just you know, this done, it's done from the shop menu. You can access it from any town. You can save any time in this. So just save scum, and there's no real, there's no real chance of failure. Only a matter of like, hey, it's gonna be more tedious or not. Yeah, it's annoying. So oh, that's why it's bad. My plus one sword failed. Reload. Oh, it failed again. Reload. Oh, it failed again. Reload. Okay, it worked. Right, save next yep. item. So how long does it take the game I, to load every time you need to reload? PSP version is pretty quick, but it's still annoying. Yeah, PSP is pretty fast reloads. And, but and then late in the game tedious. you get these special recipes you the, my other gripe about the game is the the special weapons one of the cool things i liked in the original like i said oh. was killing a you know the boss and getting his awesome sword or doing this and getting these unique items in this game you hope to get unique recipe drops that are random for the most part uh from certain battles and then this unlock these unlock which uh items you can make so basically you unlock you get these special items you can make but now it takes an godly amount of uh materials to create them and higher cost materials and at a higher percent chance to fail so you don't really get that feeling of these cool unique weapons that you earn you just get these recipes and you go and you create all the cool weapons for the most part there are some drops but they're few and far between compared to the original where they're all drops off enemies yep. Still, I will say that you know, as much tedious as they required, the plus one versions of each weapon are actually kind of really cool. It's like suddenly you go from a bow, which is just you know the latest bow, to something which is far more powerful. In fact, it's more powerful than it's the next normal version up. Yeah. And it, it gets like cool properties, like now it you know binds enemies to their position every time you hit them, or it gets a bonus to various skills like parrying or anatomy and such. Like early mage robes give you a boost to meditate, which is a really fundamental skill. But for real crafting, I would like to be able to customize which upgrades I would do to each weapon. I think that would make it a more uh... yeah, that would something like that would have been a lot better. It's so, crafting is a nice idea, but just the implementation is so bad. Yeah, and late in the game, have you far far late in the game where you've gotten any of the special uh, recipes? I. You know, I think I'm at like the entrance of the final dungeon, but I never even got a single one of special recipes. Oh uh, well, you got to do a lot of the side quest stuff to get them and unlock them. Yeah, I'm just kind of working on that. Like that proper wildwood and going to the uh, pirate's graveyard and the dungeon. Oh, uh, the wildwood! I went. I thought I went through the entire wildwood and didn't find a thing. You, yeah, they're random. You can go through it and not find anything. You can go through it and I like I just got the the whip in in Chiridi, in or whatever it's called. And then uh, if you do the, did you do the temples to to get the special? Uh, four out of six done. Yeah, if you go to the end of that, I think you get one at the end of each one of those, and that unlocks, you know, uh. um, 
Like, you can get special name swords, like this, uh, you can get the Ice Blade, the Walloon Sword, you can get the, that one special whip you can create, but it unlocks all these, the cool, you know, in-game named weapons that are, sound unique, but the thing is, they aren't unique, you can make ten of them if you want, so. You have to deal with the annoying crafting system to do this. Yeah, that's my other big, it's something I added, but I, I hate using it. So, so how many yeah. hours would you say you've sacrificed to the crafting system thus far? Probably a few. Yeah, at least four or <laughs> five. A few. Yeah, something like that. Wow. Yeah, I, I applaud your dedication. That's gentlemen. my biggest grade. I think it's the only real grip I have of the game. But it's hard Some to ignore. With, yeah, it's well, okay, it's optional. You don't need to do it, but it's such a, it gives you such a nice edge. You want to do it, yeah. but it's such a pain. You don't want to do it very often. That's kind of my eternal battle i mean you know i like crafting i spent a ton of time crafting say falsely 14 but it's fun in falsely 14 it's just annoying in this game yeah you want to stuff. it's optional stuff you can beat the game without it, i'm pretty sure but you want to get these cool weapons and deck out your guys you know and that means you have to suffer yeah yep um mm. well let's see uh all right, let, let, let's get the let's get the cosmetics out of the way. Oh, wait, there is. How does it look? There are some class differences we forgot to bring. Oh, okay. First. Oh, oh yeah, like the, the entire class system is somewhat different. The fact that you know, in addition to classes getting experience, now you change not by leveling up your character, but by giving them an item, the class mark. Which every class has its own class mark, and they removed the male female class differences entirely. Yep. So it's more like falsely tactics now, even more. <laughs> it. And so, like for example, if you want to get a knight, you need to find the knight's class mark. Which are, well, most so, of them you can buy. Some of the special ones you have to earn, like the the. Well, you know, only the very big opening ones you can buy. There's a lot you have to earn and unlock the but purchasable later and such. And there's some I don't even know how to get. And like, I only have one dragon type class mark, even though I've seen every type of dragon. And oh, you have to uh, sell them or auction them off. You yeah, that's what I was thinking. You recruit them and then you auction. Well, in order to get Deneb, you have to auction them off anyway. No. Yep. Curse Deneb. You gotta, you gotta auction off like 27 total dragons, three of each class, and then you gotta Ugh. buy five each of uh, these special little baubles or these little orbs that you unlock in the shop from her shop. And once you buy all five of those, you can get her. And then if you want the upgraded version, you have to get, you have to get like so many of these random rare drop in only a certain maps and i don't have the patience for that part but i am about to unlock the neb okay that's just tedious it is it is but and you feel guilty about each one because every time it's like you're a horrible person for trying to auction me off kind of thing neb is a badass every time the monster does that every time i feel guilty <laughs> that uh so yeah i that's i guess another minor grab i have is that i didn't like that you can be any class with any if the, any sex like you know all the males can be any class and all the females. I kind of liked how it was a little more distinguished. Which it's more ogre battle s that you could only yeah you know, males they, can only they, be certain classes and females can only. I think it added yeah it gives you more versatility. But at the same time, it removes this game does remove a lot of the distinctiveness of the ogre battle typical class chart. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of miss that. I, I it's easily to get know. over, but. Yeah, on the other hand, you know, they made the classes way more awesome than they ever were before because they got all these cool abilities. Like, you know, Dark Knights are now Terror Knights instead of just, you know, being the Dark Knight. Now that this cool ability called Fearful Impact, which they can use to hit enemies and cause them to be afraid, which lowers all their stats and makes it, it's kind of a great way to deal with tough enemies. And, you know, 
Dragoon, since they've just been the kind of tough warriors, now they have Dragon Slayer and Beast Slayer abilities to do tons of damage to the right enemy when you set them up right. Yeah, in certain battles, you and almost so, have to have a Dragoon to, to survive. Yeah, Dragoons are awesome for some of those tough fights. Because dragons are tanks. They're invincible without a Dragoon. The only problem I have is, like, well, I think the Rune Knight and the Valkyrie classes are too weak. Yeah, they're that class. I keep trying to use it. It kind of sucks. Like the story characters who start with that class are pretty good, but you know that's because they have story character stats. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like say Aricel, who you know Archer's got a weak class, but in her hands it's ridiculously good. Well, like, it's not even a weak class. It's very versatile. Archer class has always been kind of an OP class in the Tactics Ogre games. The balance is yeah, off, I think. Yeah, it's mostly because it's really good at taking enemies who are, you know, otherwise really annoying, like enemy mages. Actually, I think the best character in the game is probably an archer canopus. Yeah, the, 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 he carried me through the entire early part of the game. It's just, you know, canopus, he's he's very useful in various ways, but also, just when it comes down to it, just give him a crossbow and watch him wreck everything. Well, I don't even like, I like I give him one-handed bow and a, and a dagger, and he just goes nuts, because I... You can get the arching bow attacks instead of the straight line crossbow attacks. I thought he was, I thought he was a lot better with the. I thought he could only use the two handed crossbows, not the two handed bows. The two handed bows are much better overall for doing being an archer. So. Hmm. But uh, I think that's it. Well, you want to talk against the graphics? Well, well, I, just, oh, wait, oh, I still have my own little. Hold on, we got to get boot Nathan again. Okay, <laughs> so. Every, every now and again, a robotic gremlin just gets into the mix, and we've got to kick it out. <clears throat> yeah, there's one little thing I... Uh, can you guys yep, hear me? You're back. Yes, you're back. Okay, so one little thing I need to mention, and that's, you know, it's a pain of creating monsters in this game. It's just kind of those things like, previously, the main hero in the original version of this game, the denim can recruit anything, basically. In this one, you need to have a particular class, a particular skill in order to recruit anything. You need to take up available skill slots with that skill, and you need that particular person to do the recruiting. And it makes it a lot harder to get stuff. Like, you know, I still don't have the class that can recruit demons, so I haven't recruited any demons. It took me forever to recruit lizardmen, because it needed to get the wizards who get the re- re- monster taming ability. and It's just makes it more tedious than it should be. You know, for some Compared reason, to... I don't care for the ma- the monster classes as much in this one. I like dragons, and I like the lizardmen, yeah, and the hawkmen, I guess, are pretty good, too. But the, for the rest, you know, I... Uh, I don't know. Like, for me, griffins are ridiculously valuable through the, all the rough terrain because they're powerful brutes that can fly. It's really helpful. And dragons are really good. <laughs> and fairies even are useful because they're familiar classes. actually kind of cool and unique. Yeah, like... There's a lot of stuff we can do. Gamps, uh... Abda and whatever Berda or whatever are still level ones on my team. <laughs> I haven't had the the patience to level the Griffins, but I've leveled some of the dragons. Yeah, dragons are awesome. There's like so many dragon classes. There's the six basic elemental ones, or wait, five basic. Yeah, six basic elemental ones plus light and dark plus upgraded light, and I'm presuming upgraded dark. I think there's nine total. Yeah. And then there's there's eight, and then the Hydra, if I'm not mistaken. What about Crystal Dragon? That should be added in there somewhere. I remember there's eight, and I think, and then the Hydra Dragon, because that's the I think you have to get 27 orbs, or maybe it's 24 orbs, maybe it's seven and then an eight or something, somewhere around there. It's it's in the 20s divided by three, so it's seven or eight or so, okay. seven eight or nine. But uh, yeah, that's a visuals I think were uh, upgraded, but still had the same kind of look. They up- yeah, they basically make it look just like the all the original version except better. Yeah. And- 
it's kind of a really cool thing they did with that. I really like think like the way it looks. The effects are better, and less. I heard they're quicker too. Where before, if you had like a mass uh, uh, damaging spell that hit a lot of tiles, you'd have to wait for the thing to hit each tile. So if it's like a you know late in the game, you had to sit there and watch as each stone fell on every single little uh, affected <laughs> hex square. But and this one, it just does its little effect and, and it's over, which is nice. Mm-hmm. That's that's reminding me of uh, Arc the Lad two right now. <laughs> it was that was apparently a thing in the mid nineties. Yeah. Let, let's let the players see every facet of this animation. It is very important. Well, it's just the same animation over and over again for each square, which sucks. Um. Yeah. Also, this game has a lot of cool stuff. Like it, it adds finishing moves, which we only kind of don't think we really mentioned, but they're a thing, which is powerful new abilities every character has based off their weapon, and they're really flashy and powerful and cool looking. Like, yeah, those are really of... effective in in battles. Actually, uh, a big strategy to use is not to pump up any defensive skills for your guys, but to let them soak in a lot of damage so their TP goes up fast, so you can do uh, special moves sooner. This sounds risky, but whatever works for you. Yeah, and, uh, and I guess sound, the music's still awesome. It's a remastered track, and it's and you can actually unlock all the tracks and listen to them. Uh, and I think they, they are great. And actually, they incorporated some Ogre Battle uh, 1, the original Ogre Battle, or Match of the Back Queen uh, uh, tracks into the game and then some of the, the battles. Yeah. So. Okay, I'll say my usual complaint that you know all the music from this composer sound, begins to sound the same to me. I can't tell it apart. So this game just sounds like Fall Tactics to me. Oh, I, I love the music and I like the ogre Let's see. songs better. That's the uh, Yasunori Matsuda, right? Yep. And then that, there's another one too. There's him and someone else. Uh, I can't. Yeah, it's like it's not bad music. It's great music for what it is, but it just it's less distinct to me. I don't know. Maybe it's because I just haven't been listening to it enough, but. Okay, well, um, let's let's so uh, let's do the game wrap up, right? So so uh, I was gonna usually after every game I say, okay, would you recommend this for other people to buy? How would you rate it on an RP gamer scale of one to five, et cetera, et cetera? So, uh, but we have two games that are kind of really are really close to each other. If you were gonna recommend either the PlayStation version or the PSP version, I would say the PSP version. It's more modernized. Um, and overall, this is a little better. Uh, but the PS1 version is not bad. It's it's still a great game. Just a- yeah, the, I mean that's the thing. It's like it's kind of actually hard for me to say. I don't know the PS1 as well, but the PSP version is a good game. I've now I've said some complaints about it, but it's still it's really fun. It's a very it's really... very divided fan base. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, also it's worth mentioning that okay, we didn't actually mention this, but it's my last chance to. But the PSP remake adds two features which are really awesome. Oh, yeah. That are probably almost worth recommending it just for them. And that's one, the chariot tarot system. Which is, you know, in every battle for every turn, you have a chance to just go back in time and play a different move. So it's like, oh whoops, that failed. Totally instead of, you know, saying like I guess I need to restart the whole fight, now it's like, oh hey, maybe I should, if I go back and did this, maybe I'll, the battle will go better more in my favor. And you can try that and it it'll go forward. And it's the best system in any tactical RPG ever made. Actually, don't, I refuse to use that system. <laughs> <laughs> You're lost. It's awesome. I said, you, refuse to, uh, you refuse to use what system? I don't, I don't rewind it, and I just kind of live with my... Oh, the rewind system. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot all about that. Um, 
I mean, definitely, definitely, uh, no secret, I didn't have a super great time with the PS1 version. The PSP version, uh, I didn't get into it as far as you guys did, so I wanted to let you guys do the majority of the talking there. You have the, uh, you definitely are the star experience witnesses there. But um, I definitely got a lot further in it than I did the first one. Um, yeah, definitely, I had a, a better time with it. Definitely feels more modernized. And I like the fact that you're leveling up the uh, the classes, and it's easier to level up your weaker characters by by a long shot. I did not get a chance to fart around and get frustrated at the crafting system though, so I'll take your word for that one. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I they're they're some of my favorite games of all time. Uh, now, if you didn't have a PSP. What would you give? Uh, well, what would you give? Uh, judge the PS One on its own merits. What would you give it? It's still a good game, I think. I, oh. I know it's my much. I can't. I can't quite. I don't know the expert, but still, like, it's deserved its spot as one of the classics of the technical RPG genre. It was one of my favorite games of all time, and it made me so excited when the PSP game was announced. And oh my gosh, yeah, right. And you know, the funny thing was, the first thing I asked it was, um, it was like when Dragon Quest, there was two remakes I was super excited about, that one and Dragon Quest Four, And both of them I had, you know, gripes with how those games play. I liked them both. Uh, not, you know, but, 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 uh, but, uh, but yeah, had some gripes. And, um, and when, when, when Dragon Quest Four came out, the question was, can I control my bloody party members this time around? <laughs> and sure enough, they addressed that. And then with, with, with Tactics Ogre, it was, you know, did we did we do something to address what I felt was kind of frustrating with the leveling system, et cetera, et cetera? And sure enough, they they really nailed that on the head. And then they decide to add the crafty wacky crafting system on wacky crafty system. Well, but uh, yeah, that's funny. I'll put it in perspective for me, I like these enough that I have a Super Famicom copy, a Saturn copy, the Japanese only, the U.S. copy on the PS One, and then for the PSP, I imported the collector edition that only came out in Europe that I still have sealed and uh, I downloaded it so I could play it on my Vita and I just played it. So I've played the PSP version twice now, or this is my second playthrough. Wow. So I'm, I'm always getting the sense that you're a real fan yeah, of this. So game. I mean, I'm, I'm biased. Just, and the PS one version, while it is not among the most valuable things on that system, fetches quite a bit of money. If you look at the used market, now. Yeah, it's uh, I think about 60 bucks, 60 it's, it's, it used to be up around a hundred it's lowered some, uh, but I think it's sitting around um, this fifty to sixty seventy dollar mark in that little range. It, it fluctuates. Hmm. Okay. Um. So. PSP version yeah, is cheap. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm trying to remember if that's through the if you can also get that through the PSN store. You do. That's how I played on the Vita. It's awesome on the Vita. Oh yeah, Vita. I downloaded on the. I, I had a hard, you know, a physical copy on the PSP and then I downloaded the uh, PSN ver uh, version. So that's really why the PS1 went down in price, the PSP remake and then it's available on PSN. Hmm. So uh, what about your thoughts on um, the uh, Game Boy Lotus. Advance Tactics Ogre yeah, Lotus one? Like I said, it's if you like the original, you, you'll like this one. It's a little more streamlined, a little shorter. But, uh, you know, kind of what you expect, but not, you know, it's not like it, they uh, neutered the game by any means. It's still a very quality title on its own. Probably uh, not, you know, it's not as robust, so it's not as epic as the other one is, but it's still, you know, uh, a great game in its own right. What about, uh, you know, one thing I don't think we really addressed, or I might have, have missed it because I've just been a tad distracted. Um, did, um, what was the, uh, what was the difficulty like in these games? It could 
be pretty, especially the PSP Super Famicom or PS1 Super Famicom version, since your characters could die, it could be very difficult and very frustrating at times. Um, yeah, the PSP ones, like, it's not atypical for me to end a battle with, like, half of my party dead. So, like, that's unacceptable in the PS1 version, but PSP version, it's just like, wow, I barely won through this this fight. And that's, like, every fight. You, you bear so in the in the PSP version, you're saying that you were dying a lot. Yeah, I think half my party's dead on a good run through a mission. So, Ooh. but do, do they do they come back like after the battle? Yeah, the PSP version remember. they don't promo die. It's like it's, they don't all, it's like okay. in the Fallout tactics, you know, they they have like three counts before they fade, and then they, right. they can fade three times before they die. So. Oh, 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 oh! But in the PS1, did did they PS1, have the three? PS1 they're just dead when their HP is zero. When the, when they reach zero, once the third three countdown goes down, oh, no, in, the PSP, in the PS one version, there's not even a count. It's just there's not even a count. Gone, oh. They die. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, I and I know you guys mentioned that before. I was thinking to myself, yeah, but they get a three countdown. But I was clearly mixing up my versions in my head. See, I don't even let my characters die in the PSP version either. But I'm very. You don't let them die. I don't let them get any other countdowns. Up. I I can revive them, but uh, I won't. You know, with the revive. Yeah, so far I've not let them actually hit the three counts. Right. So. I don't let them. I don't let them lose any other lives. And it, and if they and if they hit the three count, do you reload that battle? Oh, even if they hit their one, but I always carry a priest or a cleric that, or you can use the blessing stones. See, I just blessing stones expensive, but I use so many. Yeah, I use those, so I don't let them actually permanently lose one of their three. Things. Yeah, things like even if they lose their three lives, though they're dead. But you know, you can also transfer their skills to another character if you want. It's yeah, it an optional option that gives you. So it seems pretty interestingly lenient about that. The one thing that always gets me and makes me reload, though, if they're standing on an edge and they get knocked off, they automatically die, and you can't revive them. Ooh. Yeah, that's really oh, that's annoying. right, because you could get hit hard and push back. Yep, and if it's a ah. ledge. Into the bottomless pit you go. Hasta la bye bye. A la Disgaea, no less. You know, or not Disgaea. What was that one, uh, the one Disgaea like game where you could throw people off the edge of the map? Uh, oh, I can't Phantom remember Brave? which one. Phantom yeah, Brave. I think so. Yeah. So, uh, well, pretty, uh, pretty cool. So it sounds like we have a real excellent trio of games, and now you've you've actually convinced me to go on to eBay and buy the Game Boy Advance version. How uh, of Lotus? Because that's the one I'm missing. How much does that cost? Cart. Uh, cart only copy will run you in the twenty to twenty-five dollar range. A complete inbox copy will probably run you around forty to fifty, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh, you know, I think a cart only. I'm okay with that. I'm just, I'm, I'm perfectly good with that. Alrighty. Well, uh, geez. Uh, well, thank you so much, gentlemen. Because without you, this would again been a really short podcast because I did not complete either game. Uh, I do, I do need to spend more time with them because I do love them. I just, unfortunately, uh let myself get distracted by other things but thank you so much gentlemen we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and take a break and we're gonna come back and wrap this one up with the final lap
and we're back with the final lap. This is the part of the show where we read your comments, tell you what's coming up next, just tell you what's on our mind, tell you what's going on with the site and all kinds of stuff. I'm kind of uh, kind of computerly challenged this week, so Mr. Miki's going to be doing a lot of the reading, and I'll just be jumping in with my usual witty banter in between. So, uh, Mr. Miki, uh, what do we have any comments for uh, for the last show? We do. Let's see. The first one was from this guy, JC Servant. I, I don't know who he is. Mm, sounds <laughs> like a jerk. Something saying something about a six gigabyte Audacity file that boiled down to two hundred megs of awesome podcasty goodness. Yeah, this this topic ever. Yeah, we talked about how large the 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 last podcast was uh, with Disgay and huge. stuff. It was huge. Well, and uh, and I went on to say this particular this is it broke our records, but uh, the reason for it was twofold. Number one, it was Disgaea, which you know has huge battle systems and stuff to talk about. And level once you lay all, nine. what's that? Uh, it's a game. It's a game that goes up to level nine, 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 nine. nine, nine of yeah. it's going to be a huge yeah. podcast talking gonna... about it for all of those levels. And uh, and the thing is, what once you've got that foundation laid out, you might as well go ahead and talk about the rest of the games in the series. Normally, we might try to break that up in two different shows with two games each, but then we open ourselves to having to talk about the battle system again. So it was just better just to get it all out on the table and done with. And then the other thing being that recorded that we record that due to computer issues, which is why I don't have a computer today. Uh, my computer kept going down. So we recorded that as two separate recordings, not realizing that it was just really kind of going very long. By the time I put it together, I was like, holy cow. <laughs> it was the largest audacity file ever. And it was it was literally bringing that uh, Windows XP computer. If you don't know, Windows XP has a limit of like three and change gigabytes of RAM. Uh, it can't work with any more than that, even if you put more in your machine. So it, it was creating, uh, it was definitely creating some challenges there as it kept trying to swap everything out with virtual memory. The hard drive just kept spinning and spinning and spinning. But eventually they, you know, by the grace of the computer gods and the such, I did get it uh, at least edited and shrunk down and, and the such. Um, then, Before your computer completely died. <laughs> right, right. And, and You're all then, glad that. And then I think wasn't there another comment about the the length that led on to other comments about the length of well, the show? Let's see. Immediately after that, JC Servant guy said something. I, I don't know. He seems kind of sketchy. Galleon eighty said almost five hours worth. If there was a podcast trophy, you have officially won it. And he would be diving in later that night. Wheels responded to that by suggesting that we be granted a platinum trophy for coming up with such. A massive podcast, and uh, yes, if if anyone wishes to give us actual platinum, we will gladly accept. And I'll pick we will a pure think... platinum medal. I'm kind of short on those lately. I have absolutely no reservations about accepting platinum medals. If anyone wants to give me one, uh, so that that's an open offer. And same <laughs> the same goes for you, Phil, and you. Nathan, platinum right? trophy. I think it's a trophy. It's a big trophy made out of platinum. Right, so so just send it through the mail. Send That's right. me, send us your platinum, and we will be sure to remember you by name and gush over you ecstatically because, uh, yeah, platinum is awesome to get in the mail. And you just made us independently wealthy, so we will be thankful to you for the rest of our lives. Exactly. Then Smacked said it'll still be nearly two hours at two point five x speed. This is going to be quite a ride because yes, Smacked apparently has developed the habit of listening to podcasts at fast forward which does not make everyone sound like chipmunks amazing 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, uh, definitely the technology has gotten a lot better. You can hit that, and I do that when I'm at a computer and I'm listening to a podcast on Windows Media Player. It actually has a very nice slider if you go into your options there that lets you bump up the speed slightly. And definitely with podcasts or audiobooks, um, you can bump that up to your taste, you know, 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, to where you get to a sweet spot of speed versus actually people understanding what they're saying. Uh, but apparently he gets the gold. He gets the gold star because I think the best I've ever done is like 1.6. After that, I just I start losing too many do- details on most podcasts, especially if it's one of those podcasts where they have all these prepared notes or some people actually prepare everything they're going to say ahead of time. When you, when that conversation goes like that, rather than the normal conversation where there's pauses and stuff. Oh, yeah, th- there's no way I could do 2.0, 2.5. Then Ocelot chimed in to suggest that uh... – for those of for those of you listening to 2.5x speed, Phil, next time you can just name everybody on the show after the chipmunks, Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. There you go. I, I would that make you feel anything, Nathan? I I don't remember which one's which. Uh, I want to be Theodore because he's like the nerd. Simon was no, but he's the, uh, the fat the one, leader. isn't he? And, um, no, no, Alvin's the leader. No, Alvin's Simon, the, Simon's the nerd. Simon's like, the one who is wearing the blue baby blanket, I think. I don't want to be Theodore because he's kind of the fat one. He's the chubby one. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Trying to lose weight, not emulate someone who's chubby. So Let's see. Then Balance said, Disgaeas are, of course, excellent. I always like parody, and I don't think there's enough in games. I have to say, my reaction to a title that he has censored in his post veritably curdled Balance's blood, and that show should never happen. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, it was uh, an intense little rant you had there. Like, some I, of the most passionate things been, that were on this podcast. I have since been distracted by another game on PC, and after that I'll have another game on PC, but I will eventually get back to... Uh, bane of my existence the, the soul draining hour sucking wa- waste of my life that is agorist there I said it once I don't have to say it again for a while um, but yeah th- the next time I address this thing at length I think I will bring up a wiki page that shows me each and every developer of the game so that I can call them out by name as I <laughs> list all the things that are horrible about it, the design. Although I will... See, I can get this out of the way right now. Kanji Kaneko, the guy who wrote the music, I like his music. Even a dozen battle themes is not enough for all the time you're going to be in fights with this stupid thing, but I appreciate the effort, and I don't have to hear the same damn thing with every fight. So, Mr. Kaneko, I give you kudos, assuming you can understand them, and that you ever listen to this. There. Then Galleon80 went on to say that he has never played any of the Disgaea games, but after listening, he's thinking about starting the series off with 3 and 4. Also, he said that my agorist rant might have been even funnier in Chipmunk voice, so um, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, I, you I aim- the name again. Yeah, but he didn't censor it, so I don't... No, 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 I just... No. <laughs> I, I'm not going on that subject again. It, it's it's unnecessarily vitriolic. <laughs> <clears throat> Smacked chimed in to say that 
speeding up digital recordings apparently does not make everyone sound like chipmunks for him. It just makes it sound like everybody's talking faster than normal. And he tends to listen at 2x for the past year or so. And he finds that when he listens to people at normal speed, it sounds like they're stuck in molasses. <laughs> and the only time it doesn't work is with thick British accents for him. Um, let's see here. Then goatee guy, goat guy, I, I'm still not sure how, if that's two or, th- or three syllables, said that, uh, oh, oh, he, he updated the post since I last saw it, so I actually have to look at this for a second to check it out. Um, yeah, it is okay. It is a malformed version of goatee guy, but he's never bothered to change the correct spelling, so thanks. Now, now I know what you mean with your name. Um, strawberry eggs. Another face, another voice I think we may have heard in the past. Does that sound at all familiar to anybody? Mm, Nope, never heard of her. (laughs) Said that uh, her experience with Tiskea is still limited to the DS incarnation of the original game. That didn't feel awkward to her. And she did replay it for more endings, so she must have enjoyed it. I guess that's the power of Disgaea, that even with the crappiest version around, she was still coming back for more. Yep. Um, Silktail diverged onto Bravely Default, which, I don't know, I'm, I don't feel like we should be talking about that quite yet. It's Yeah. 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 We can, we can That's not RPG backtrackable it. yet. <laughs> yeah, we've got to wait until 2016 for that. Let's see. Smack chimed in again to say that he listened to it. He unlocked the trophy. And then he has no experience with Disgaea at all and actually did not know what a printy was other than seeing it used around RP Gamer a few times. So there we go. Somebody who was genuinely educated by listening to our words. We did a good thing, people. We did. Awesome. The more people we know can about get, the world of pretties, the better. The better. Absolutely. <laughs> Couldn't have said that better myself, Nathan. Then Victor chimed in to say that five hours is just too long for a podcast. Perhaps it's metatextually appropriate since the Deskea games are also absurdly long, but can we please go back to short little two to three hour podcasts in the future? And wish granted. Yeah, which I think this will be about, yeah, this should be about two and a half, I think, looking at the clock. Then he um, mentioned that the link on the ar- in the archives was not quite right, and uh, yeah, that was... That was me making a mistake. This yeah, sometimes. <laughs> you know, just to just talk about that real fast. I'm always happy to take feedback on the format and stuff. But I mean, for every comment I get that it's it, now granted that one, I got more comments about being long because it was obviously five hours. But our typical shows uh, edit down to about two and a half to three hours. And for every comment I get that that's too long and it needs to be tightened up. I get a com- I actually get comments saying, Phil, why are you so strict on everybody? Why don't you just let them talk? I, I kid you not. It's on iTunes. Go check out. I was reading our comments the other day. I was like, really? Wow, I didn't um, realize I was such a meanie. <laughs> I'm sorry, people, but Phil is actually the person here who lo- most loves to talk. He's not going to be keeping us stopped. He's just trying to keep him stopped. R- right, right. Because, yeah, I never stop you all because I, I know revenge is a dish best served cold. It's just going to – you just wait till my game comes out and it's gonna be, you're going to be here all night. So, <laughs> you know, that that's okay. You know, I, I just – you know, the, the thing is, 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 I mean, we all – all of us on staff here really, really love our games – and uh, we don't know if we're ever going to be able to talk about some of these games again. So we want to make sure that we get it on the table. Uh, that's that's why we do the conversational format. And we don't put a lot of restrictions on top of the fact that, yeah, we really don't get 
um, strong feedback saying, um, uh, you know, that it's too long. We don't get our unanimous feedback or anything like that. Like I said, for every complaint, I get a compliment. So uh, if you want your voice to be heard, we're going to give you some information on the end, how you can do that and get your opinion on it. And if I do get a lot of opinions one direction or the other, of course, we'll see if we can't, uh, you know, do something to accommodate. But ultimately, this is a labor of love for us. And we love talking about the games we enjoy and even the ones we hate. Right, Mike? Uh, yes. Um, uh, it's kind of like, the the joy you can get from reading a very well written negative review you can just feel the hatred oozing out but there seem to be more words in the english language to convey hatred and disdain than there are for love and caring so anybody who gets to break out that extensive vocabulary gets to have a little fun with it in the process of reliving the suffering <laughs> and on that yeah. note victor also said that my agorist hatred, there it goes again, was something to behold that apparently I hate this even more than he hates the original wizardry. And he's very much looking forward to when I can finally get the review done, which uh, if we did not require that we see the ending of a game, I would have done months ago. But yeah, I, I actually have to sucker up and go through the last few battles, including the there's apparently a maze dungeon now. I'm so looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm so looking forward. <clears throat> we'll turn you on from the background. None of our support. Um, um, yes. Uh, and he politely disagrees with the naysayers who question why we review RPG Maker games. And that's very simple. We review RPG Maker games if the creator comes along and says, hey, here's my game. Would you like to review it? We do not actively scour the internet in search of RPG Maker games because that would be uh, an occupation that would take up all of our time. Yeah. Well, also, the thing that you know, not only do they have to say, "Oh, hey, do you want to review it?" We also say, "Yeah, one of us wants to review it." Because you know, right. I mean, again, if there's no one here who wants to, then didn't can't so well. force them. <laughs> yeah. Again, this RP gamer. It's. I think that's what's so awesome about our site. We're not paid staff members. Um, we, we basically, yeah, we do this as a labor of love. So, uh, you, you know, when, when Mike plays those really bad games though, like Agriscore, it's because if, he really we, loves them. If any of you care to make financial contributions, call them tips, we would yeah. not turn that down. No, you're yeah, right. That's, quite that's true. true. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, so, <laughs> uh, every once in a while, one of us sees, uh, an indie, you know, RPG game or something along those lines. And we'd say, Hey, you know what? I, I, I like what I see here, or maybe I hate what I see here, whatever the reason is, let me go play it and write a review on it. And, but yeah, the other thing is that we do have to play those games to completion in order to officially review them for the site, which is, which is probably why I gave up a long time ago, went to podcasting, <laughs> just saying, when you have to go through certain games that I won't mention, <laughs> and you have to go all the way through the end, you just, yeah, it breaks you. Well, except it doesn't break Mike. Nothing breaks Minky. No. Minky is a man's man. I can't even finish yeah. I can't even finish Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey, which received mostly positive reviews. It's pissing me off, but that's, a, that's another story. Let's see. Then JC Servant chimed in again. Who is this guy? Gosh, I wonder who this guy is. <laughs> Forever and, history. and he more or less said a lot of things that Phil just said here. Go figure. That makes no sense at all. Uh, so I'm not going to paraphrase that post again because Phil just did it. Then Seraphim Kitten chimed in to say that Disgaea fills the need for a tactics game when he's waiting for one with plot to come around. 
He liked Disgaea 4, especially the flashback DLC where Valvatores and Fenric meet for the first time. And then he broached the, the topic of Disgaea D2, which we deliberately did not talk about because A, that would have pushed the podcast another 45 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And B, it's less than a year old. We we can't do that yet. Yeah. But we, apparently we, we... It, it did allow him to have a male archer ride a kitten into battle and have an army of ninjas riding sharks. We, we have only two rules on the RPG backtrack. One is that we must slaughter the names of all of our guests. And the second, which uh, which I understand, I heard through the grapevine that Mike might have done earlier in the show. I'll have to go back and listen. And then uh, <laughs> number two is that we must spoil all the games that we talk about. So those are the those are the sacred rules here on the army. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I mean, the, the third, there's three rules. And the third one being that we can't talk about any games listed two years old. Unless sometimes we're talking about it during the, the final lap, but. We don't go or if we do, detail. then we have to be we have to be a little more circumspect than usual. Yeah, and we can't spoil it. And then this fellow named Matthew said, "Thanks for another backtrack, guys. Now he's too scared to play a Disgaea for fear it will take hundreds of hours. Would have been a good game to play back in the day when you had time to burn." You know, I I, I will say, you know, f- uh, for the first few games, I it was a solid forty to fifty. I'm not if you just want to get through the story, which is my goal when I play through them. I don't have you know two hundred hours to burn on one single tactical RPG like certain other people on this podcast. Then by all means, you know, pick it up and and enjoy it. I mean, it's not that much longer than a normal RPG. I did spend more yeah, time a, with four with three and four, like up to seventy eight hours. Yeah, so if you strain yourself a little, you can go through this pretty quick. Yeah. So don't oh. get too scared off by how much time we spent, considering, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Oh yeah, I think you're like, right. You know, right, Nathan. Didn't we establish that you and I, or or some one of us, just wasn't very good at cheating and only like using two characters like other people yeah, did? Yeah, like, I'm terrible. <laughs> We're both horrible at this. We're both horrible. This is why? Okay. You know, okay. This is going to go into what I want to talk about afterwards because you know, we're done with these guys. So time to say about me. You know, yeah. However, just the last time I said, you know, I've never beaten a Pokemon game because of that mentality. I can't, I can't focus. You got to catch them all. I mean, it's in the freaking yeah. logo on the front of the game. <laughs> I mean, hell. So yeah, it's like, and do you know what happened since the last, uh, the, since last podcast? I started paying attention to that crazy thing called Twitch Plays Pokemon. Okay. It's like, oh yeah, I've heard about that. You know, just like watching like a hundred thousand people trying to play the same Pokemon game all at once and fighting each other. It's like, you know, it really, it's been too long since I played a Pokemon game. So what did I do? I restarted a Pokemon game, and I'm now oh, no. farther than one that I've ever been before, crazily enough. Which is, Are you focusing on a few or still trying to catch them all? I'm still catching them all, but now I'm building up less, and I'm, I'm still raising more than I really should be, but it's I can't decide what part I really want to focus on, even though I'm approaching the eighth gym, which is probably a little bit of an issue, but... I mean, that was a nice thing about... At least, Nathan, you're playing a a more recent one so you can use online trading instead of having to physically connect your Game Boy to somebody to get the last five, right? Uh, (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) that's the thing. It's like, for me, actually, I'm actually playing Pokemon Pearl, which I think they're shutting down the online version of, like, maybe they just did, like, a day or two ago. So that's not an option. But I always have my brother who always has the opposite version, since we always buy opposite versions because we're twin brothers and that's what we do. So I have that to fall back on. Okay. So it's actually yep. easier for me to do the connection than for the online thing. I'm backwards. Hey, you've got a you've got a special in there. I I wish you all the luck in the world with that, because not everybody has a twin brother who is willing to buy the opposite version of Pokemon to play simultaneously. 
<laughs> it's one of the many, many perks of having an awesome twin brother. I believe it. Hmm. I forgot where we were at. Were we reading? Well, are we done we, with the we comments? We were done with the comments. That was the oh, end. Okay. Of it. So, uh, Mr. Minky, do you know what our next show is? I do, actually. It's one that I have been preparing for recently. It's on Fallout 2. We will be recording that in the near future. And I can tell you, I will have a lot to say about Fallout 2, which is for the good, which is for the best, right? Because we're going to do a show on it. Yeah, yeah, that's always a good idea. A little research yeah, action there. Never Fallout heard. 2, which is like, I've never played Fallout 2, so it's like, but someone has. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Well, I, I can warn you that there are a few spots. For some reason, it crashed twice in Reading. And yes, I think this is supposed to be where the real Reading is. Have you been there, Nathan? Mm, you know, I can't remember. I've gone through it, maybe. Well, I, I don't want to say too much right now because that'll just take ammo out of the next episode. But uh, I don't like the real Reading very much. <laughs> Mostly because it's always too damn hot there. And it's only a large town if you come from Humboldt County and have no idea what large towns really are. <laughs> <laughs> so Humboldt County people like to go to Reading if they want to go someplace that's bigger than Eureka, which, yeah, Reading is bigger than Eureka, but compared to Sacramento, to San Francisco, to Portland, to Las Vegas, to L.A., it's nothing. Anyway, uh, yeah, it crashed a couple times there. It crashed a couple times in in Reno. While I was assassinating a mob family, it crashed. What an I, awful time for a crash. Yeah, because the only time you can't save is during a fight. Though that is good, because it means you can save everywhere else. Yeah. But honestly, it's it's mostly stable. Uh, it takes a long time to get used to the interface. It took me, again, I'll be talking about this in the next on the next episode. But you will you are we will be well advised to look at the game facts thread for frequently asked questions because. Uh, the interface is not self-explanatory unless you have a manual right there. And I don't because I got it off GOG. And closing down the game to look at a PNG file of the manual is not the most thrilling no. prospect in my no, life. Yeah. So I say GOG is pretty nice because even I have Fallout 2 thanks to them giving out for basically free a little while ago. So. I know. Get it while the getting was good, let me tell you. Yeah. It's just... I. Do, there was a time when I was fine with looking at PNG files on my screen for a long time. That was when I read the whole House of M on my computer screen. But <laughs> I don't like killing my eyes that much anymore. Uh, so yes, I will have much to say on Fallout 2. And once you get past the learning curve, it gets pretty fun, I gotta say. There's just something fun about going out with your teammates and shooting up a whole bunch of aliens in Southern California. Why are there aliens in post-apocalyptic world? I don't know, but there are. Um, so that's our next show. And we'll talk about Wasteland, too, because it's uh, the precursor to Fallout. And I don't know if I can even get it to work on a Windows 7 machine, but I I don't know. Maybe I'll try. We'll see. Which which one? Wasteland. I mean, if it's the GOG, is it the GOG version? I don't own it yet. I, um, I would have to find it first. Um, yeah, I know. Um, I got it on GOG, so. Where'd you go, Phil? Um, sorry, I think I had a little problem there with my phone. Um, 
But uh, I know I got Wasteland through GOG, but I think it was because I supported the Kickstarter for Wasteland 2. So I don't know if they're selling it as a normally one of you'd have to go and look. But uh, yeah, if, if it's a GOG version, it'll work through Windows 7, 9, 99%. They'll list it and they'll say whether they've gotten it to work in Windows 7 because they just do all the DOS box setup and everything. So it works pretty good. Okay. We'll see. I It may just be, end up being a footnote because we kind of do have to talk about it with in conjunction with Fallout. Um, let's see. I have been playing Arc the Lad 2, and I'll give it a couple of naysays. The equipment system is kind of annoying. If you find a new piece of equipment that has no levels, then that means you need to soak up the hits for a while until it gets stronger. And I really wish there were more save books because you can – you can get stuck for a long time without an opportunity to save. And that's caused me to intend to play for about half an hour and then get stuck there for triple that because the stupid game wouldn't give me an opportunity to save for a long time, but fun game. Yeah. It's definitely a fun one. It definitely improves on the first arc, the lad in just about every aspect, which was not that hard to do. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a massive improvement there. And I, I gotta say, I, I appreciate the detailed animations of these sprites that they zoom in on. It's kind of hilarious to watch a sprite leap up in the air, do an, do a double aerial kick of something and then pick up her shoe and then smack it into the enemy's head for a critical. That's you don't (laughs) usually see sprites doing that. Yeah. That's got some colorful sprites. And because I always do this, I'm going to mention a few movies. I saw the green slime, which for Mystery Science Theater aficionados, you would remember as the pilot episode, the one Joel Hodgson reviewed some of before he even got together with the other guys on the show for their KTMA days. And you can see why if you watch it. It's the kind of movie where an asteroid is hurtling toward Earth. There is There are 10 hours to get a team up there to blow it up before it crashes into Earth and kills all life. And apparently we have enough time for chit-chat to be passed around on Earth. Then we send up the crew. It goes to a space station where we yammer a lot about getting a team together. Then we finally get out there and some green slime attaches itself. But, oh, we blow up the asteroid. Again, things work really fast in the future. This is all happening when the asteroid had 10 hours before it hit Earth. <laughs> and that, that green really slime. Space. <laughs> yeah, it. American actors, for the most part, directed by a Japanese man, and the the lead is an Italian lady with a thick accent playing a doctor, even though she's got a hairband and thick makeup. Uh, it's it's a late 60s movie. You can kind of tell in some spots. Uh, they succeed in blowing up the asteroid, but somebody brought a trace of the green slime, which, uh, yeah, it, it is green slime. It looks kind of like Slimer was there onto the space station, and it... This green slime, when it touches electricity, somehow expands and grows into big tentacly things with mouths that have red eye, that have a red eye in them, and they just wobble around and they don't even really they do kill people, but they're mostly about trying to shut down the, the power supply by eating it. And just the plot synopsis alone sounds silly, and seeing it in action is even sillier, but. <laughs> I can't say I was bored. 
there's just something about man using beam rifles and then near the end running out of energy for their beam rifles and throwing one of them and what do you know the muzzle got stuck in the eye of one of these things that was a great throw uh and i saw the blues brothers last weekend in public place in a theater and yeah i'd seen it before of course but it's something different to see the movie with other people especially those couple of people to the left of me who found everything funny and were laughing all the freaking time. But yeah, if, if James Brown was the preacher in a church, I might go to church more often because that would be a pretty fun ceremony. And I just want to give a shout out to the mouse that roared, which I just saw today. And if you love Peter Sellers in comedies, uh, the, inst- the sight of Peter Sellers playing a queen of a fictitious European country was inherently funny to me, and it didn't overdo the thing, and the plot is just completely ludicrous. This country has exactly one export, which is a wine, and then some California vinery has just come up with a knockoff that is taking out all the country's business. So how will we solve this problem? We will declare war on the United States. We will lose... And then the United States will come in with aid money to rebuild our country. And how will we and we will send our army of all 20 people on a ship to New York Harbor where they will search for someone to surrender to. And they are dressed with chainmail and longbows because their military has not evolved since the 1400s. <laughs> Oh, but they arrive during a nuclear test drill, so nobody's on the streets, and they end up kidnapping the scientist who developed the Q-bomb, which is a hundred times more powerful than a hydrogen bomb. And they kidnap the bo- and they get the bomb. <laughs> so it, it's thoroughly ridiculous and quite funny. I recommend it. And that's it for now. What else have you been up to lately, Nathan? Um, well, you know, nothing else I can really... Want to say I'm going to talk about so just normal stuff. So, hmm. fair enough. Unlike you, I don't watch that many movies, so I don't can't really talk about those. And I talked about playing Pokemon, so I'm still playing Bravely Default and all the other games. I'm still juggling. So, where are you in Bravely Default? I'm still working my way through Chapter Four. Kind of moving slowly, but steadily. Yeah, let's see. Well, Chapter Three, in fact, actually. Not even oh, four. Chapter Three. Okay, that that's uh, the 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 fire crystal. It's on Eisenberg. Made yeah, simple I, I, fire, and that's about it. Yeah, that, I, I just want to give out another shout out to the ability to change the encounter rate in that game. That is such a yes, wonderful... it is so nice. I mean, it's like you know, oh hey, I'm, I I feel like I need to run to an end, so I teleport out, I run, turn off encounters, run to the end, then run back right to where I was, and I'm fully healed. It's a little cheap, but hey. Do we do we go back to bravely default while I looked away? Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> Yes, I'm playing it, and it's a good game. We're, we're talking and about the mechanic. That's fine. Yeah, I, you know, I like the, you know, I like the fight. It's, it's just more convenient there having a Slayer. I, I think I mentioned this in a forum post because uh, somebody, uh, or I think uh, Trent had posted the editorial. By the way, speaking of all the updates at rpgamer.com, may not have the website in front of me, but I do remember Trent's editorial about random encounters and the uh, the two I pages of. 
you know, before a post it's gone on to to inspire. But uh, you know, I, I, I the, the the everyone's kind of praising bravely to fall for that slider. But other games have done something similar, definitely not as convenient. But usually, I think I want to say it's Dragon Quest. Uh, it certainly shouldn't have got me Tensei Strange Journey, where I have the apps I can put into my suit. Uh, that increase or decrease the the random encounters or you know in Dragon Quest I believe there's items that temporarily turn off those random encounters when you use them because consumable items as well as items that attract monsters and I use them both because sometimes I want to grind up you know I need to grind up and I'm tired of just walking around circles over and over again so I did that make up a 10 day strange journey before fighting boss it's pretty commonly put on the enemy attractant <laughs> and walk around and grind up a, a level or two to try to give me you know, leg up. You know, Phil, you mentioned Strange Journey, and it's not that game. But we have, since our last recording, a Shin Megami Tensei title on these shores for the first time on iOS. That's right. In fact, that was actually <laughs> that was actually in my 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 notes was to talk about uh, to talk about this breakout title you know there's just been times where where we here in america have missed some great classics because it never got brought over like final fantasy V. remember when that first was announced for coming over the game boy advance and i was like holy crap i get to finally pay play well, the missing yes, link between for, four and six yes there oh was, well you know what let, let's hold on to that because i think we may revisit that title sometime in the future yeah if we revisit but, off of but the we, time, missed, we missed we missed Oh, we remember Dragon Quest five and six, and we finally got you know those on the DS. I mean, kind of a, a remake there, but we finally got them. And then there's this gem. I mean, this is right up there with them. This is the one that you've been waiting for, boys and girls. One of those forgotten games that we just didn't get here in the states because it was just so awesome. Yeah, it's like it, you know. if it had come out back in the day, it would have had to undergo the Nintendo censor policy. And you know what? I can't really blame mid-90s localizers for saying that's way too much effort for the sales this thing is going to pull in. Yes, that game is a bit it's like a bit past the line, which is past the line, which is acceptable for, you know, really strict censorship of the time. But. <laughs> well, Nintendo even made, you, made developers take the crosses out of games and replace them with the vague things because oh we can't have crosses that that's too offensive to people <laughs> just if you want to see just how far the series has come now is your time well um, and even this does not go shoot. back as far as it could we we could have gotten the original megami tensei from the nes years i don't which, think i don't think I mean, phones will have any trouble playing that now <laughs> yeah it's like you know Megami Tensei is like sometimes I feel like that game's a myth. It's like people mention it exists, but I'm not sure if I've ever seen anyone care bother enough about it to give me a screenshot. Hardcore gaming, man. Hardcore gaming is an awesome site. Duly noted. Uh, so um, we have concluded that if you are absolutely desperate to play Shin Megami Tensei in the legit English version. Uh, then you're kind of forced to do it on iOS, and if you want to play it in some other fashion you would probably enjoy it because it was not designed for touchscreen controls that is what i gather from manny's impression hmm. okay well it, well it's so, pretty simple if you had to do touch controls for strange journey phil how would it go oh you know that would be so awesome 
That that would be great. Yeah, because nothing's more fun than playing a traditional RPG by using touchscreen mechanics. Because these buttons, they really just get in the way. I just wish I could touch, you know, virtual buttons on the screen instead of touching real tactile buttons that I can feel. That's just, just messed up. Why in the world would they not? I mean, if they really felt like people were trying to play this game, why in the world would they not download it? Uh, run it as, uh, you know, a 3DS game or something. Oh, I know, because I think they can make a lot more sales to the Apple, which they may. But, yeah, the interface is not designed for RPGs. Uh, a specific and, – and the job they did on this, boys and girls, in case you haven't read this somewhere or seen the screenshots, all they – and maybe Mike just said it, but I keep getting pulled away. But it, it just puts the – it just puts like an oh, – it takes the bottom half of your screen where it just has virtual gaming buttons. As if you had like a Nintendo, you know, NES pad or something like that in front of you. It's really, no, no. As if the game really wasn't that fun enough to begin with. Yeah. But I'm sure somebody out there will do it. Mike. Uh, actually, not with this, Phil. I ha My iPod is six years old and it is not a touch. I do not have an iPad or an iPhone. I think it can handle it. It's not a touch screen. I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm sure it's backwards compatible. <laughs> it's taxing my iPod to watch AVGN videos from six years ago on it. <laughs> Besides, that drains the battery in half an hour. I want to listen to music instead. Well, so, no, I, mean, I, I am bowing out of this dad, one. But, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if one of you out there in RPG Backtrack Land is playing this gym and uh, and wants to give us uh, give us a review. Uh, you're more than welcome to do so. In fact, I got one uh, just yesterday or the day before from one of our listeners, uh, Matthew David, I believe is his name. So I'm kind of going off of memory here, but Matthew, if you're listening, um, hopefully I'll get that edited on to the end of this show. But with my computer issues not being resolved until next week, it might wait until next show, but. He sent us a recording, and you can do that too. You can record your stuff with Audacity as a free download. You can uh, get your thoughts out on paper about your game, your favorite game. Do a two- to three-minute recording. Uh, do a practice run first to make sure it falls in a time limit and collect your thoughts the first time around. The more prepared you are, the more you'll be able to get into those two to three minutes. Uh, and then you can save it as an MP3 and email it uh, to jcservant at rpgamer.com or jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com. The rpgamer address, I get a lot of spam from it. So the problem is my filter catches some of that. And I'm afraid that sometimes I'm getting email, I might not be getting it from y'all. So if you don't hear back from me, try the Cyberlight Comics address. Or you can always uh, shoot me a Twitter messaging email and uh i'm just at jc servant there on twitter so yeah, a couple other reviews uh, what else is on our last recorded that seem of, yeah. of of interest like uh might and magic 10 yeah what's uh so that one uh that one's something i've been particularly interested in we've talked about the might and magic series before it's a series that's near and dear to my heart um and might magic uh 10 from uh, mr glenn wilson's review seems to capture some uh, really good things about that that series, but it is definitely its own breed of game. You'll have to check out the review to get the full report, but there's a lot of things like, and there's a few things that will put a frowny face on you, such as uh, apparently, the, <laughs> I can't imagine this. <laughs> it's it's basically like, um, it's like, it's a little bit more like My Magic uh, 5, where it's grid-based. So you got this old school grid-based, you know, RPG 
um, reimagining of, uh, you know, re whatever they're called. And it's got graphical slowdown issues. <laughs> like, like I was reading his reviews, like, yeah, when, when you're outside and there's a few monsters out there, the game starts slowing down. I'm like, really? We're in the year 2014. <laughs> My graphics card on the new computer. So I sent a, a picture of it to somebody. They're like, man, that graphics card looks like a PlayStation by itself. Yeah. Things powerful. It, it, you know, it can render kajillion pixels in 3D with vectors and everything, but it can't handle my Magic 10. <laughs> so uh, it, it isn't deadly. It isn't, uh, you know, you can still enjoy the game, uh, Mr. Wilson says. Uh, and again, I'm going completely from memory here, Mike. You probably have it in front of you. Uh, but uh, go and read the review, the full review at rpgamer.com. Uh, definitely, especially if you were a fan of either the old school RPGs uh, on the PC back in the 90s, the grid based ones, especially, um, or the Might and Magic series. You'll want to check it out. What Let's else, Mike? What have... else is new on the site? Well, we had a review for The Witch and the Hundred Night. Boy, it's not a pleasant review. If you saw some of the things Omega Adrian was talking about as he was playing it, you can guess that his take was not a pleasant one. Hmm. Oh, I, I suppose. Yeah, it was. Uh, I remember reading. Well, no, I mean, I mean, I remember reading that one. Too. I'm sorry. I'm kind of digging through my memory because I read it earlier this week. And yeah, the, the details that you would give would be painful, painful details. I think there's like one good detail and the rest were painful details. It actually read a lot like some of Mike's reviews lately. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and it's a bit of a disappointment because I usually love Atlas games. I usually pre-order Atlas games. I've actually got uh, one on pre-order that I'll talk about in a minute, but I'm just like, uh, this is the kind of thing that always makes you want to wait for reviews because every once in a while, even these good uh, developers uh, and publishers come out with a few duds. Uh, so you'll want to read the full year review and why this one, which I thought looked promising early on. Um, I love their artwork. I love you know, what I was kind of seeing there originally in the previews and stuff, but unfortunately it's got a lot of flaws. So you'll want to read that full review on our website. Yeah. And by a lot of flaws, we mean that's a ser that's a lot. Be very cautious here. Oh, and there's a review for something called South Park, the stick of truth. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that, what did we give it on our site? What's the score? Uh, there are four or four point five. Hold on, my my, yeah, my internet is been, being finicky. Okay, it's been yeah, it's been reviewing. That's what I was gonna say. It's been reviewing rather well. Uh, I don't remember. I did not actually take the time to review it on our website. Definitely that series. I mean that series, that show. Obviously, <laughs> you know whether or not you you like that show. Um, so if you like the show, chances are you'll like the game. The the one thing to keep in mind is that it is a little bit on the short side, especially for an RPG, an Obsidian RPG. I was a little surprised that most reviewers are clocking in between twelve to fifteen hours uh, to knock this thing out. But yeah, uh, but every for an RPG. Yeah, yeah, an Obsidian RPG. You know, it was definitely uh, a bit mind blowing, uh, especially for one that wasn't really an action RPG. I mean, when you see the combats, it looks more like one of the Mario RPGs. So, yeah, 
little surprised it didn't at least get to the mid 20 hours on that but uh but apparently it's it's high quality so for those of you who complain that rpgs are too long and you want more quality and especially if you like the south park series you'll have a great time with this if you're not a fan of the series this this game that's not for you <laughs> and there's one other review that's come up since we last recorded on this site and that would be for atelier esha and logi hmm and since and, I proofread uh, this how did that review? Marcello, I know that, well, she gave it a 4.5 out of 5, which required script approval from three people, which was given. I read through that thing pretty thoroughly so I can remember, yes, there's a, there's a nice cute plot, and I can't talk about that because then we'll be getting into spoiler territory, which is totally against the backtrack rules for something this new. But our very own Miss Marcello noted favorably that this game represents a considerable improvement in combat for the Atelier series. And I know that catches your eye, right, Phil? Yeah, because, I mean, geez, uh, they already review pretty decently. I would say on our site they average 3.5, and there's even probably a, a 4.0 or two in the series um, on there. So, boy, that must have done really well then. Well, she does love this series. She's been reviewing all the PS3 ones. But this one, this one caught something special in her favor, and she did her best to be as glowing and effusive with her praise as she possibly could. And I think it came across. She had a she had a really good time here. And uh, so that's encouraging, especially since this series represents at least you know close to half of the JRPGs on the PS3, especially if you don't include uh, the PSN downloads. This is a couple, and now I'm thinking about there's a couple of like cartoon uh, or costume quest. There's a couple of traditional JRPGs Let's you see. can snack through the Tales PSN store. But yeah, outside of that, you got some tales of great. You got some tales of you got a couple of tales of Gaze Nunakuni. Uh, Eternal Sonata, a couple of others, but yeah, this series Wait, didn't is definitely. Eternal Sonata come out on 362. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this, but uh, yeah, this series of games on the PS3 is like the the flag bearer for JRPGs on the PS3. They must be doing good. They keep cranking them out. I, I think it's impressive that by what are we the into the eighth year of its lifespan, the PS3 has accumulated a fairly decent RPG library. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Though, compare it to the PS2, and it kind of comes up short, sadly. Yeah. Mm, yeah, 2 to 2. Oh my gosh, there's so many good series on the 2. I mean, I've said it before, uh, the PS2 is still my console of choice for, you know, just the sheer number and diversity of JRPGs. There's just, there's no comparison. Uh, you can argue that maybe the Super Nintendo had the best ones with titles like Crow Trigger and, of course, the uh, the perfect Final Fantasy VI. But, uh, but but as far as just the sheer sheer number well, of well, especially since so many of the ones on Super Nintendo never crossed the ocean. Yeah, yeah, that's the big hold up there, sure. And but... I have played some of the ones that were really awesome that didn't cross the ocean, and yeah, they were really awesome. And there mm-hmm. are others that I'll get to one day. I I'll get to them. You'll get to them. You'll get to them. So you can read you can read all this and more, including uh, in fact, uh, make sure you read um, Trent's editorial about random encounters and how evil they are that should spark some conversation all at rpgamer.com you can join us on our forums to join in the conversation where we debate 
these topics left and right, and you can you can chip in your thoughts about our podcast as well as the reviewers. We all we you know this is a volunteer effort, so we love to hear from you guys, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Uh, you know, you can go to rpgamer.com, click on the forum link on the left. It's really easy to sign up for an account if you don't have one, and let us know what you think. You can also leave us a, a comment on iTunes. I check that every so often. And uh, you can also, of course, uh, as I said before, write me at um, at uh, at JC Servant on Twitter or jcservantrpgamer.com. So, yay. What else? What else have we not talked about? Did you um, talk about what you've done this week? Did I? Did you get that done? I got and that I, done. I talked a little bit about it. All right, so I'll talk about real quick what I've been doing. Okay, so my computer, uh, my computer imploded, as I mentioned a couple of times. Uh, I'm getting a new one from Puget. And every once in a while, Mike and I, we like to plug uh, some of our favorite vendors. I'm going to plug two uh, right now, one that Mike's familiar with and another one that Mike probably isn't familiar with. Uh, Puget Systems, uh, they build custom computers uh, up in Washington. They are not paying us to say this, but every few, every five or six years, my computer implodes and I need to buy a new one. And this is be the third computer I've gotten from them. And they just, the service just gets better and better. I tried to find like a local vendor here in Utah. I couldn't find a good one that was within the price range. These guys are not only competitively priced, but they give you top quality service. I mean, the heck they're sending pictures of the computers being put together. And then a YouTube video when it's all done to show me where all the fans and stuff are at that I can clean them, which I thought was a really nice touch. Not to mention I could forward that to my friends and say, Hey, look, my baby's coming. This is as close as I get to having a kid. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Puget, it's Puget Systems. There's You're no reminding me of Knocked Up right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So they're really cool. Uh, go and check them out, and then hopefully by next week I'll have that computer set up and we'll be back to normal recording processes and procedures and the such. So uh, well, let's see. Well, I've been well, one other vendor I'll plug in is your, you know, these guys, the guys at Rift Tracks, right, Mike? I do. Yeah. Oh yes. You that know what new, I'm gonna plug? That new one. Yes. You know I'm gonna plug it. So uh, it, uh, it has something to do with um, a, a video game series that everyone has played that was then made into a movie, doesn't it? That's right. Um, so yeah, we've got to, everybody might remember. You know, I mean, video game movies are just awesome. I mean, they just really are. But of course, the best one of all. Uh, is it one that I watched while I was growing up, Super Mario Brothers, right? I watched that when I was growing up, too. I remember thinking, what's going on? I don't understand. And then it ended, and, and you I was still about did 11 understand. at the time, and I haven't watched it since. I have This Rift Tracks offers me a chance to see what I did not understand at 11, and I'm sure it will make lots more sense now that I'm an adult, right? Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Go back and watch it. And I do the same thing. I'm like, oh, I'm an adult now. I'm sure this will make much more sense. No, no, not really. No. Well, because uh, as we all know, um, uh, Bob Hoskins, Mario. I, I, I mean, that was before Nintendo started having him doing the exaggerated Italian accent all the time. But it still just seems like Bob Hoskins. There he is. He's right. He's fresh out of Roger Rabbit, and you threw him in a red jumpsuit. Uh, and we all know that Goombas are really big ass, like eight, nine foot tall, kind of humanoid dinosaur crossovers with the really tiny heads that you can't even jump on. Honestly, uh, when I look at those heads, it reminds me of something from Labyrinth, and I can't even really explain it anymore, but it just looks like something out of the Jim Henson studio. 
it's yeah, it's just a little yeah. And of course, that that means it's a totally faithful adaptation of the games. So our friends at Rift Tracks have done a wonderful job. As much as Mike and I are trying to struggle here to come up with some jokes, they they are the experts, and now they have a riff of Super Mario Brothers. I cannot wait to get an opportunity to download it and watch it. I, I just I love these guys. I support what they do. I buy their stuff every time I get some spare money. So uh, this one is going to get prioritized, let me tell you. I'm skipping my, my Happy Meal of the Week to afford this one because it's just awesome. So cool. And it's cool, better cool, for cool. you than eating McDonald's food. Yeah. Because la- yeah. laughter is good for life. <laughs> yeah. I had I to struggle there, but it kind of works. Right. So <laughs> what else? Okay. So on my, so I've been spending some more time, a little bit more time with my handhelds and consoles this last week on the PlayStation 4. Infamous Second Son is out. So I'm, I, I started getting into that. Super fun so far. On my handhelds, I've been getting frustrated with Strange Journey. I'm I'm supposed to be getting to that mega dungeon of death that we keep talking about, but apparently there's some mm-hmm. other task you have to run first. First of all, I've been siding with the with the angels, which in Shin Megami Tensei, like in a lot of games, we we spoke about this topic before, but uh, you know, when you side with angels, you're a jerk. So now I, I'm just feeling the ramifications seven hours later. Of being, you know, a jerk. So that doesn't make me feel super happy because I'm kind of thinking I'm trying to be the good guy, trying to make the decisions that save the most human lives. And instead, I've become basically a tyrant. Uh, So that's that's kind of taking some wind out of my sails. The game itself is frustrating because I'm running these errands before I can even get to the mega dungeon of death. And in running the errands, I can't figure out where the hell this thing is I'm supposed to find. I'm even reading the FAQ at this point. I have to keep going back to the FAQ. I hate it. It's starting to remind me of dark. You know what? You know, those wonderful hidden dungeons where half the hall, whoever came what? up with the what? I, 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 I'm sorry. You started to say something that was triggering a reflex in me, but let's not go there. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, it, it's just, it's just, it's really getting frustrating. And whoever came up with the idea of dark hallways is a fun mechanic where you just have to keep pressing against every wall blindly trying to get from point A to wherever point B is. You don't even know where point B is at. Whoever killed needs to be shot, just needs to be taken out and shot. And at least with um, Etrian Odyssey, I can draw. I don't know if there's any black rooms. I haven't gotten that far in any of the Etrian Odyssey games that I found black rooms. But I was thinking to myself, gosh. There weren't any four. You know, that's if, worth yeah, but you know what? If there was, it wouldn't bother me so much because as soon as I have discovered, okay, these are solid walls here and here, I could draw them on the map. How cool would that be? But of course, on the D, you know, playing Shimigami Tensei Strange Journey, uh, it's an auto map system, but the auto map doesn't map out the dark room, uh, the dark hallways. So every single time you have to pass through them, you're going through the same, unless you've memorized the hallways, you're going through the same trial and error of beating your head up against every wall, pressing the X button a hundred times. Trying to see where the door. Oh, it, it's just driving me. I can't find the guffin, the MacGuffin that I'm supposed to be finding to move forward. Even after, and I hate the fact that I'm having to keep going back to FAQs. Now, back about five years ago, that would have automatically disqualified this game, especially since I usually play handheld games away from my computer, so I have no way to look up FAQs. Is the but nowadays I have a smartphone, so I'm sitting there looking up. And of course, the FAQ for Strange Journey is like 500 pages long. You know how fun that is to manage on a small smartphone screen. But I finally find the FAQ, and I 
and I still can't find the guff in following the directions. I'm either totally Your ophthalmologist stupid. is thanking you for doing this, Phil, because it means uh, you'll have to go in for an appointment very soon. Oh, my gosh. I'm just pissy. So I, I'm like, uh, I'm just debating whether or not I just want to give it in and just say, screw this game. I'm never touching it again. It's going on eBay uh, type of thing. I'm just kind of struggling with that at the moment. So uh, maybe some people can chip in some thoughts. I'm around 55, 60 hours, and I'm just not. I, I, the joy is just leaving me here. And if it's not fun, why am I doing this? So it's becoming more like a chore. Remind me of some of my review days. Let's see here. So I am playing Final Fantasy V. We mentioned that just a little bit earlier. Uh, I never actually got around to playing Final Fantasy V. I, I collected the cartridge uh, not that long ago, actually. Um, so because I had originally bought that PlayStation version you talked about way back in the day yes, and I got Nathan, frustrated Nathan mentioned it and ah. yeah, it, it was an option. It was, it just wasn't a great option because it had save issues. Well, at least six was it four. And, I was playing it, four first and four had save issues. So I never got to have loading times too. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And kind of a crappy translation. Oh boy. So I'm playing the, playing that one. I'm enjoying that one so far. I don't really have to FAQ that one. Uh, I am at like. I, I want to say I'm halfway through. I'm on the second world, uh, and it kind of pulls a Final Fantasy VI almost, uh, where you end up in another, basically another realm. And been working my way through that without too much issue. It's a great workout game, uh, except for the fact that that real-time battle system is a little. I prefer the turn-based when you're working out. The game waits on you patiently if you're. Don't you, you know. don't you have an option with these to switch it you, to turn-based? Oh, you know what? Maybe I'll have to look in the options. I think I got it. Hmm. I have to double I check. I think I think option. it pauses. I think the option is if you're looking through your inventory and your spells, the enemies pause because by default, the enemies are still queuing up their attacks while you're taking your sweet ass time looking through your inventory, trying to find that spell on a list. And I hate that because I think that gives the monsters an unfair advantage. It's not my fault that the interface is so clunky and old school that I have to scroll down three pages to find my Fire Aga spell. Um, so that's an option. But I don't know if there's an option that is, I, I, I'm not remembering an option where as soon as your turn is ready, everybody waits for you, even if you don't go into the menus. So that that's a good question. I'll have to look. Maybe you're right. You play these a lot more than I have, so... I'll have to double check. And okay, so that's on that. So on the 3DS in the Vita, the Conception 2 demo just came out, right? And uh, this has been a really excellent opportunity. If you have a 3DS and a Vita, uh, this is a really, really great opportunity to download the same game and then compare them side by side with a demo. So you can really see the graphical differences. I showed them both to my wife while I was in the same dungeon, the demo dungeon, on both of them. And she's like, Oh my gosh, the Vita is so much brighter. And of course the bigger screen's more appealing. It's just got one screen though instead of two. Uh, but, um, and, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. But the 3ds, you can see the dungeon in 3d. Ha ha. The funny thing is the one thing that jumped out at me is the one thing she didn't really comment on, which for me, the one thing that's kind of grating to me, just a little bit on the 3ds version is that the resolution, uh, it's definitely with a 3d turned on or not turned on. The 3D graphics, of course, are more pixelated um, on the 3DS. Uh, even with the smaller screen, I guess the resolution is not quite as high or it doesn't render it quite as high or whatever that deal is. So that's that's Who a knows? Yeah. I'm sure I've there's also, a deep technical explanation that we don't care to see. It, yeah. The, the result matters. Yeah. The 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 um, Also, the frame rate on the 3DS uh, is more stuttery on the Vita. The movements and stuff feel very silky and smooth. 
on the Vita also during the cutscenes, uh, which I haven't I haven't done a lot of 3DS cutscenes, but the Vita, the cutscenes where you're seeing that character in front of you looks very like they're breathing and stuff. Kind of got that vanillaware feeling. It's pretty cool. Well, hopefully, based on the little vanillaware I've played, it, it was at least gorgeous to see. Um, yeah. Well, it looks like we got to get going. It is getting late, and we don't want to have another five-hour podcast, so... <laughs> uh, we thank y'all for listening to the RPG backtrack. Um, uh, remember, um, you know, gosh, I usually have this can speech memorized and now I don't have it memorized. So <laughs> go and check out rpgamer.com. Uh, go check out our sister show, the RPG cast. It's all at rpgamer.com. You can listen to our, you can even check out the new show, the active topical banter show. Oh yeah. Have they been cranking those out? There's a second episode. All right. Go check it out. It's all there. Um, and, and definitely post on the forums and let the guys know there that you enjoy what you're listening to because uh, they are very kind at RP Gamer to allow us to be this crazy and do these long-ass podcasts and to host them on the site. So let them know that you enjoy it. And I can't think of anything else wrapped right up my head, Mike. I forgot about my legalese talk. It's too late. Too dire. Oh, well. So why don't you put us to bed? Uh, we Really, if, if the name Yasumi Matsuno doesn't do it for you, then maybe the idea of compelling tactical action will. And if that doesn't do it for you, then um, hopefully we entertained you anyway. Good night.